This episode of the MJ Cast is dedicated to the memory of Rhonda McNeese. Known as Heart Rose on Twitter, she recently passed away after battling COVID. Rhonda was an avid supporter of the MJ Cast and a loud and vocal supporter of Michael Jackson, a huge part of the MJ fam community. Our heart goes out to all of Rhonda's family at this time. May her memory live on. The following is a presentation from the MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson. I'm a black American. I am proud of who I am. Together, we can make a change in the world. I like to take sounds and put them on the microscope. There's a driving bass, you become the bass. Let the music write itself. I don't sing it if I don't mean it. <laughs> Welcome to the MJ Cast, your source of news, discussion, and interviews on the King of Pop. Hello and welcome to episode 136 of the MJ Cast. I'm your host, Elise Capron, signing in from Studio San Diego. And today I am so excited to be joined for a regular episode by Bjorn Hannibal, who is joining us from Studio Copenhagen. Hello, Bjorn. How are you doing? Hello, Elise. This is Copenhagen calling with Du Sepoir for Los Angeles. Hi. <laughs> Hello. We are so happy to have you today. And um, it's been a while since we've had you on. It's been since 2019. So we're excited to have you back. My gosh, um, is it that and- long? It has, I know, since before COVID, it's like a whole different time. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We're going to talk all about that. And then we also have joining us today an MJ cast fan favorite and, of course, longtime team member Q signing in from Studio Perth. Q, how are you doing? Hello, this is Studio Australia calling with my 12 points and my 12 points will go to... Denmark! <gasps> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. Well, not after this year's entry, I'm sorry, no. <gasps> now I know what you guys are talking about. But- <laughs> <laughs> yes, the queers are talking about the Eurovision again. And ha- Happy New Year, Bjorn. It's a brand new Eurovision year, just started on the 1st of September. I believe it when you say it, Q. I'll trust, trust me, I'll send you the calendar, okay? You'll be very impressed. But happy new year to you. (laughs) Same to you. Hi, Elise. Thank you so much. Welcome. Oh, it's so good to be hanging out with you guys. I know. This is so much fun. I've been really excited about this. And Bjorn, it's the first time, even though we're friends online, it's the first time I'm getting to chat with you on an episode. And for any listeners who don't know the wonderful, wonderful Bjorn yet, um, the last time he was on the show was, yeah, way back in 2019, as we mentioned, December of 2019. And it was for an absolutely fantastic episode, which Q, you were on 
on as well. And uh, it was really kind of a fan kind of community come together episode. We had Marnie, we had Dane Thompson, we had Raj, um, all these terrific fans kind of coming together and talking about your experiences and like kind of legacy fan community stories, which was really special. So it's so, so great to finally have you back on the show. Right. Well, thank you. It's all coming back to me now. So, <laughs> so but in, in a little nutshell, maybe Bjorn can give us just a quick like self-introduction. Um, like I, yes, some people please. may know some very big things about Bjorn, like he's a former Big Brother winner or that he's met and hung out with Latoya Jackson, which was a story he told in his previous episode. <laughs> or now he's a owner and operator of a inn, a hotel and restaurant facility over there in Copenhagen. Is that is that correct? And can you fill in a couple more details, Bjorn? Yes, well, you got the broad strokes right. That's absolutely correct. Um, I, I am from Denmark, and that's where I run an inn with my husband. And the inn just had its third centennial anniversary, which is what? amazing. That's, old, yeah, that's older was, than Australia. Well, older than white people in Australia by like 100 <laughs> years. So. That's crazy. Yeah, that, it was a, it was a big party. Um, so so yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, you know living my Danish gay life with you know uh, Legos and and my retro video game collection, and then being a Michael Jackson fan with you guys. That's so fantastic. Wow. Can I ask now? I saw photos on your social media recently where it was Danish Pride, Copenhagen Pride. Yes. But I saw that there was some sort of check. Uh, in like an, a ceremony where you were presenting a check to an organization or something? That is true. Uh, I don't know what that was because a- it was all in Danish. So please fill me in on what that was. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm involved in a charity show every year uh, where sometimes I host, sometimes I'm just behind the scenes. But it's basically a big drag show with drag kings, drag queens, some other up-and-coming artists. And every year, um, the proceeds from the show go to a good cause. It goes to the condoms in the nightlife around Denmark. Uh, so, so we make sure that there's free condoms available in the queer nightlife all over Copenhagen and the rest of Denmark. Wow, that is amazing. Important cause for I love sure. That. Oh, thank you. I had my my premiere as a drag queen uh, this year in the show. <laughs> that was uh, your premiere? Wow. That, that was my I'm yeah, super absolutely. impressed cuz you nailed it. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um my drag name was Candice Dickfit. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. That is so, great. <laughs> uh, I I feel I feel fabulous, girl. <laughs> Oh, wow. Well, as you can tell already, Elise, because I've had the pleasure of recording with Bjorn uh, in the past, I still can't believe, firstly, that Bjorn's 300 years old because he looks fabulous and amazing. (laughs) Uh, He looks so good for your age. But um, that it's been since 2019, since his last appearance on the show. But you're going to have a ball hanging out with Bjorn today, at least I can guarantee it. Uh, Yes, I'm so excited. Oh, and I should mention, in case you do want to check out that previous episode, I don't think I mentioned it earlier, it's episode 112, Oiling Lanes is the title. (laughs) Oiling Lanes, that's right, now I remember. Yes. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, um, but we're going to have a fun show today. We've got lots of new stories to get through, and then Bjorn has come up with an amazing discussion topic, 
which will do you want to maybe just do a very quick little what we're going to be discussing at the end of the news segment today Bjorn the overall idea is that I want to discuss Michael Jackson and the LGBTQIA plus community was he a queer icon how do we feel about his beliefs on gay life and all those sorts of things that is yeah I'm really excited yeah okay. it's just been pride season in Denmark so I feel like it's very appropriate right now Breaking new ground on this show. We have not discussed that before, so can't wait. Yeah, we haven't discussed it before, and I don't feel like it gets discussed a whole lot. So I'm really excited to hear about um, that part of our chat, which I will primarily be moderating as an ally. And I'm so excited to hear your perspectives. And I do want to give you both a shout out because you really put this concept together and brought it to the table. And, you know, we're really happy to be able to do this. So thank you both very much. Cool. Oh, thank you. Thank you for giving us the opportunity. Very exciting. Can I say a big thank you to you, Elise, and to Jamin? Maybe my voice sounds slightly different on this episode because it is the debut of my, am I saying it right, Road NT USB microphone that you and Jamin mm-hmm. gifted me. So thank you yes. so much. You're so welcome. We have finally moved Q from the <laughs> insane setup he had with the um, earbuds. <laughs> no, they're all still here. That's the funny thing. They're all still <laughs> they're all You just still made it more here. complicated, actually. We've just added a device. <laughs> We've added the microphone, <laughs> which I'm recording my ferrite through. Hopefully, I've plugged everything in the correct order. But no, all of those cords plus a new one is here. I believe and have faith in you that it will elevate the sound to unparalleled Q quality. Well, Q, your voice is like butter. Butter. <laughs> it is. It really is. <laughs> you dog. <laughs> and Q, yep. how are you doing? What's been going on since in Australia since we last heard from you? Oh, my God. Well, probably last time you heard from me, you know, when was that? It was this year, wasn't it? It was only a couple of episodes ago, actually. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, COVID's like just wrecked the country again. Sydney, stay the hell at home. People, are you kidding? They're like, you know, for us, these numbers are huge, folks. But over a thousand cases a day in Sydney has shut down basically the whole country. State borders have closed. We can't travel from my state in West Coast of Australia uh, we can't travel to New South Wales. We can't travel to Victoria. I'm wondering if Queensland is currently off limits. Everything changes so often. So that's impacting industries the whole nation over, even though it's really only New South Wales and Victoria that have got this Delta outbreak at the moment. And it's not super under control because Sydney people won't stay at home and Melbourne people, your cases are rising. Here's a reminder, stay at home and wear a mask. But yeah, because of the industries, the whole country over, I got stood down from work for four weeks, but yeah, still waiting for some government support for that. So yeah, it's been, it's been a sort of sequel to last year. That's for sure. Oh boy. 
but my beard is grown. We're allowed to have beards at work now. My perm is still looking really good. So yeah, living my best hair life. Thank you, Princess Diana, for blessing me with your spirit. <laughs> mm-hmm. We love the perm. Definitely, we will be posting a screenshot <laughs> of our video <laughs> recording. Um, you look fantastic. Thank I am. You. I am really um, love your commitment to this perm. So. <laughs> me too. Living my best life. But you look fabulous and amazing as well elise you are glowing literally oh you're very sweet it's true no (laughs) lies told am i correct bjorn well i had to actually shut elise video feed off just because she was glowing so much i know it was hurting my eyes basically is what i'm saying you look you look fabulous elise absolutely oh you're you guys are both very very sweet especially since it's late at night here and i'm basically wearing pajamas and <laughs> and feeling exhausted, but you two have uh, perked me right up. Oh. So I'm excited to be chatting with you. Well, yes. Um, Is there any reason you're looking so amazing and glowing? Oh, the- <laughs> yes, actually, I do. <laughs> Thank you for that lead-in, too. Um, <laughs> yes, actually, I do have an announcement I just want to share with our MJ fam, which I have not put on social media yet. I've kept it very under wraps. Drum roll, um, please. Drum roll. Is that I'm going to be adding to the MJ family, and I'm going to be having a baby in... Not that long, so a little bit later in this early winter. So, um, yeah, that is my big news. I'm pregnant and um, wanted to let all of our wonderful community know. And um, and also because I will probably be disappearing a bit from recordings for a few months, but I want to let everybody know that I'm still going to be around and in the background doing show production stuff and working as much as I can with Jamin, but you might not hear me quite as much in uh, the coming few months. So you that is are going to be so busy. I know it's going to be crazy, but you know, hey, Jamin was able to do it so I can do it. <laughs> I'll figure Congratulations, it out. Mama. That's yes. amazing news. Congratulations, oh, Elise so and Jared. That is wonderful. We're going to get a little sibling to the doggos and to the turtle. That's exciting. <laughs> Yes, yes, it is a lot of fun. So I will definitely share that news whenever it happens on our social media and you'll get to to meet my my upcoming daughter. It'll be fun. Hopefully Ooh, she'll she'll like MJ. I don't think she has a choice. <laughs> I don't nah. think she has a choice. No. She she already she already has an MJ cast onesie. Oh. So cute. she will have a good wardrobe, don't worry. Well, perfect. Don't perfect. get too attached to the wardrobe because the rate the little kids grow. Oh my gosh, you'll be like, <laughs> okay, well that got about two weeks worth, and now little one doesn't fit. Like the <laughs> exactly. babies grow so Stop fast. Growing, yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, um, I can I can send them all to you, uh, Q, and you can put them on your cats. Oh my god, don't even. <laughs> I did see a super cute onesie on a cat the other day on Instagram. I was like, "Husband, look at this. So cute." So, yeah. <laughs> Turn away oh. from the light, please. No no cat onesies, please. Don't don't be that gay. <laughs> no. My two would not tolerate that at all, I can assure you. <laughs> No, we really should get to the news, shouldn't we, Elise? Yes. This is not going to be a short show. You know, this will be an 18-hour episode. So strap in, enjoy. Here we go. 
Yeah, yeah. So we have a lot of news to get through, um, especially, of course, with Michael Jackson's birthday just having happened. Um, and then we're going to talk about our, our wonderful main discussion topic as well. But yeah, first, let's dive into uh, MJ birthday events around the world. Some really exciting stuff happened even with COVID going on, uh, both virtually and in person. And I think where we'll start is, of course, Las Vegas, which has really become the hub of a lot of the estate run events. And there was quite a bit going on this year. I have a lot of friends based in Southern California who were able to go to Las Vegas this year. I did not go even though I'm very nearby in San Diego, really because of the rising COVID numbers and just not wanting to risk anything in my current physical state. So I missed all of that, but have lots of good reports I would like to share because quite a bit happened that was worth reporting. And pretty much everybody who you can imagine was there. <laughs> it was a big reunion. It, it, You know what? It really, really was. And it was actually pretty amazing. Um, you know, whatever you however you might feel about about the estate, it was it was pretty amazing to see the group of people who gathered. So why don't we start with actually, I just wanted to kind of run through just a few of the people who who did attend. So Gosh, everybody was there. Kenny Ortega was there. Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat made an appearance. Travis Payne, all the three T guys, Terrell, TJ, and Taj were there. BG and Prince, uh, Michael Bush, John Branca, of course, our fave. <laughs> Kidding. Um, uh, Jamie King, uh, Karen Langford, Michael Trapson, Carlo O'Reilly. Everybody was making appearances. The brothers, the the twin. Were they are they twins or are they just brothers? Oh yeah, Rich and Tone who have gotten involved as part of the creative director team for MJ the Musical. They were there. Yeah, it really was a pretty star-studded event, at least in terms of MJ estate folks. And um, yeah, there were quite a few big events. So we actually did on our social media, on Twitter and on Facebook, posted the Kenny Ortega discussion. So do be sure to go check that out. Um, It was pretty interesting. And just to speak to that a little bit, I had several of our show's friends who were there um, who asked to remain anonymous. So I won't mention um, who wrote all this up for me. But I did want to speak a little bit to what actually happened at, at that event. So Kenny Ortega was kind of leading the charge in that talk. And if you do watch it, it, I think it is worth watching. There, there are a lot of really wonderful memories of Michael. He really talks about Michael's vision of wanting to bring together people. He says he wanted to remind people that the world is in a vulnerable state and that we need to take care of Mother Earth. He was motivated by the most amazing things he didn't just dance. So they really do dig into like just what an incredible human being he was, um, which is, you know, if I had been in there in person, I think I would have been like, just probably bawling my eyes out, <laughs> to be honest. But he did bring Travis Payne up on the stage. And they did talk more about, you know, continuing MJ's message and through whatever they were doing, and talked about his best performances, Man in the Mirror. It was it was a really beautiful event. Now it's, it's a tiny bit hard because they're talking, you know, 
kind of talking about, I mean, all of MJ's history, but it's hard not to think about like, this is it. <laughs> and, you know, maybe some of the other things that were going on that were they're not paying as much attention to. But still, these beautiful memories of Michael Jackson are quite heartwarming. And it was a really beautiful tribute. Did you guys get to watch that Kenny Ortega clip? Oh yeah, you bet. Uh, I had a look at it, and and every time I see Kenny Ortega, it's it, I always feel like he's a little bit smug, whatever he's doing. <laughs> he always yeah, has that air of like, true. oh yes, I did this. <laughs> but of course, he's <laughs> that is true. Yeah, he's very accomplished, of course. So so he's got that right, I I guess. But yeah, I did see it, and and you're right, Elise. It it sometimes feel like whenever they have these kind of events, they are talking about you know all these memories, and then this is it. And whenever they talk about this is it, I always feel like, but you're leaving that out. Mm. You know, the thing we don't want to talk about, you're leaving it out. Uh, so it always feels a little bit weird whenever they get to that part. It was amazing that they got all of those people together. And I was just excited to see 3D. I mean, every time the boys are together, it's like, ugh. Fabulous. They they look so good still. All of them, they're amazing. Mm-hmm. Thought it was a little bit interesting actually. Now that I'm thinking back to watching that footage, that they brought Jonathan Moffat up on stage as well as people that were actually involved in the MJ1 production, the choreographers and things like that. Right. But they didn't call the 3T boys up or Prince or Biji. That's true, right. I never realised that. I watched the footage yesterday and it did not dawn until just then. And, like, I know that Jonathan Moffat has a what, 40, 30 year history with Michael and the Jacksons. I know, it's amazing. But he didn't have anything to do with the MJ1 production, but they still called him up, but they didn't call up the 3T boys or Michael's sons. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, it was it was a good little thing to see the reunion and them talking sort of about Michael and his inspirations and and the show and giving credit to those that made the show and, and also giving credit to long-time fans. I thought that was actually mm-hmm. a nice touch. That was the Rich and Tone did that a lot and Travis as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I th- also thought especially there was a lot of hype on certain Twitter accounts and maybe Instagram as well that there was this big wonderful birthday celebration for Michael and the show is amazing, the MJ1 show in Vegas, but there was a lot of hype from corners of the fan community saying that there was going to be a huge announcement of an album release or a big product release and that advertising material had been sent to different companies and was sort Mm. of embargoed until September. And um, yeah, still waiting. No announcements. So (laughs) there's a great- Shocking. uh, Yeah, shocking. What a surprise. Give everyone, get their hopes up again. But there's a great op-ed piece over MJ Vibe by Sebastian, which I can highly recommend reading about the sort of irresponsibility of spreading those sort of rumours, especially in a community of fans where spreading of rumours, you know, we learnt the hard way what happens with that sort of thing. I just wanted to note that there was no big giant product album or anything announced at this, like a whole bunch of people were sort of spreading around on social media. Yeah. I actually have not read that piece. I need to go find that. It's really good. So there was also a Sunday brunch with Karen Langford and just wanted to comment on that briefly, that that seemed to be focused on announcing the creative team for the MJ, MJ the musical, which is are the brothers uh, Rich and Tone Talauega. 
And so they got to speak a bit. And they did some most of this has at this point been announced, but do like to kind of put out there that it turns out they have been working on the show for quite a while about three years. And they said a couple of helpful quotes, they said that it is going to be a show that will further celebrate the king of pop. They said you could do an entire docu-series on the MJ style of dance. No surprise to any of us fans, of course. And they considered themselves curators of what he created. Um, And also, lastly, that any movement that is Michael Jackson-esque, it is our job to make sure that to authenticate that and keep it real for all those who have been following him for years. So... Yeah, so I will say that was encouraging. Um, Rich and Tone, which we'll talk about a bit more later in one of the other news items, but they really do have a very long history going back with working with Michael, and also specifically with estate projects. You know, again, there's some complications there, I guess. Some are better than others. We, we yeah, can say that. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. Um, such as the hologram. Mm. And <laughs> um, but still, it was nice to kind of hear that that's the energy they're bringing to it. And, and I think that their focus on dance is kind of nice, too, because we've had these conversations a lot, which again, we can probably talk about more when we get into the MJ Broadway updates. But how can you really bring Michael Jackson to life? And I do think probably one of the best ways to do that is, of course, through his dance. So they do seem to have a very long term investment in that side of Michael. And it's probably a a good thing that they're on board with with that team. So and they seemed very gracious in the video as well, from the brunch. And then the other big news from Vegas was that, uh, which we heard, of course, circulating a lot on on Twitter, was that they did show clips from the history tour. And nobody was able to film that everybody had to turn off their cameras. So we do not have that. But I have a little report from our friend of the show, Velo Christina, which I did want to be sure to share. And so I guess uh, what they did is they showed about 20 minutes of what apparently had probably come from the German part uh, leg of the history tour. And uh, it was either actually I take that back, it was either Germany, but there were also some fans speculating that it may have been the opening night in Prague. So if anybody knows for sure, would love to hear. Mm. I'd be very dubious about the Prague portion, because I know they had a lot of that's opening night, they had a lot of technical issues Mm. and stuff. So maybe there could have been a Mm. couple of shots, but I don't think they would have been large stretches of whole songs from Prague. I would be, I could be wrong, but I would be very surprised. Well, they did only show about 20 minutes, apparently. So they showed the intro to history, they don't care about us scream and beat it. And it was on a big theater screen. Apparently, the quality was good, but not 4k, not necessarily HD. Um, And it is definitely different, apparently, from the YouTube Munich video. So who knows? It's, (laughs) It's a bit of a mystery, but was still, I guess, really wonderful to see in person and on the large screen, which we obviously don't really get to see. And why did they show this? Who knows? 
<laughs> Here, everyone, we've remastered the historic tour and we're going to show you 20 minutes of it. It's very exciting. Okay, thanks, John. What's this for? <laughs> oh, no reason. We were going to give it to you with the history anniversary product, but then we cancelled that, so we're not going to give it to you. We didn't give it. Really? That's. Thank you for showing those people. It's great, but how about you actually just put it out? Right. It's basically a state just saying, nay, 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 nay. It we is. We have this and you don't. It feels like exactly. that. Exactly. <laughs> well, supposedly John Branca said that this footage was supposed to be part of a History 25 documentary, but obviously that didn't happen, um, <laughs> which I guess he blamed on COVID, them not doing it. He sure did. Yeah. Um, so again, who knows? Who knows? But we did have some folks on the ground, some listeners and, and real friends of the show who I know were bugging Branca about what is going to maybe come out, um, bugging him about even just having the making of Thriller and better quality, things like that. So, you know, we'll see. And uh, in, in the Q&A, I guess there were also a bunch of people submitted questions about the Casio tracks. Of course, those were not asked because Karen Langford was picking the questions. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, why would they want to, to bring that up and on a birthday event of, of you know, when, when, when they have their moderator, it's sort of like, yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen at all. Well, I just, I hope they release the history. I hope they release anything like visually, like I it's know. about time for some, concerts and stuff and you know even though history was what it was it was for me it was still an amazing show and it'd be great to see it in good quality and have some sort of package mm -hmm. of it mm -hmm. exactly whatever they're willing to put out we'd be happy right well if they do it right yes yeah well that's true that is true no more no more vision box sets right please. well really any legacy content done right i mean let's yep. give it to us we want it Mm -hmm. And then what else? So uh, there are a couple other things. Big Al, as you know, all listeners know, Big Al Scanlon, he's been on the show before. Um, he did apparently confirm a few things that are going on at Neverland. He said that the small train is functional again, <gasps> and that they're working on getting the large train running again, but tracks have to be repaired. A few rides are back, as we've seen some photos of rides going in and out. And uh, he, But he did not clarify whether those were actually any of the original rides or different ones. He also said that Ron Burkle's son, John, is actually living at the ranch, which is kind of interesting. And also that the NDA he had to sign with Ron Burkle was far more extensive than the one he signed for Michael Jackson. So wow. <laughs> there is a, still a lot of um, secret secret around that. I have to say I was in I was went up to Neverland in the spring and there was all kinds of stuff going in and out of there. So I know nobody still quite knows what's going on, but things are happening. So we'll see. I don't know if you guys have any insights on on that at all. I just had heard that I think we spoke about it in a previous show where they were refurbishing a lot of stuff. It is quite an old property. Right. Like it is not a new house. Yeah. It's not, uh, you know, and the weather in that part of California is quite brutal at times of the year. So I had just heard and we probably discussed it another time that a lot of refurbishment happening, which is a very good thing. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. 
I'm just interested to find out who is this for? Why are they? Mm. I mean, I love that they're doing this, but why are they doing this? What's the end goal? What's going to happen to Neverland, you know? (laughs) And will I be able to go is my real question. (laughs) Yes. Will we all be able to go, please? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But otherwise, yeah, it does sound like it was a pretty amazing event. Michael Bush had a whole kind of book signing Again, kind of issues around him, perhaps, but there was a dance contest. MJ1 has reopened and apparently is doing well. And I read that the dancers were actually dancing with masks on, at least in the opening shows, which must be hard to do as a dancer. But hey, respect the message there. So yeah, it sounds like it was a pretty great weekend. Oh, and um, also, of course, with all the family members there, they were all apparently kind of very, just very friendly socializing with fans. Prince had his puppy with him at the hotel. Cute. I know. And uh, I know several people who were stalking his puppy. And so it sounds like it was pretty great. And I'm pretty jealous of everybody who got to go. (laughs) Yeah, it was terrific. But lots and lots of other stuff. Oh, and we should mention too that Jonathan Sugarfoot Moffat did get married, I guess the night before uh, all the birthday festivities. So congratulations to him. Very happy for him. Congratulations, Sugarfoot. Yeah, congratulations. But there were tons of other events going on around the world. So let's just maybe briefly go through some of those. So in London, where everything happens, if it's not in <laughs> Vegas, Pez and Seb, part as part of Kingvention, ran a really fun looking party called Burn This Disco Out um, right in London, which looked like it was pretty fantastic. I have to say Pez did an amazing job putting this thing together. If you guys saw the decor, it looked like it was quite fantastic. Yeah, it looked amazing. There was some incredible tweets and little videos from the Burn This Disco Out party and hats off to the organizers uh, to Pez and Seb and all the others that helped contribute to that because I know everyone that went had a great time. So well done. And also the Jacksons have started a tour again. They performed in Belgium on MJ's birthday and sang happy birthday to Michael. And I saw a bunch of social media posts about this as well. And apparently it was a really special evening. Again, totally jealous of everybody who got to go to that. I have not been to a concert in so long since COVID started. So if I could go to the Jacksons, that would be even better, but it looked pretty great. I legit thought about going there uh, because Belgium is not that far from Denmark. And when I heard that they were performing, it was actually pretty late before the performance that they actually did the whole announcement that this is actually going to happen. So, 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 I mean, if I had had a bit more planning, it would have worked out. But uh, I've never seen the Jacksons perform. So I really want to. And, and you, you guys have that on me. Wait, Q, did you see them? Yeah, I've got to see them twice. Ugh, jealous. And so them. jealous. <laughs> got a couple of great autographs. Yes, just oh, twist that knife in there. No, I... <laughs> hello, you've met LaToya, so hello. Yes, um, that is true. You that will get true. your chance, for sure. You'll get your chance. Check, maybe they'll announce more dates while they're over in that direction. Who knows? Can't we wait. might get another chance wait. soon. Crossing my fingers. How far is Belgium from where you are, Bjorn? Oh, it'll be in a plane about, I don't know, one and a half, maybe two hours on a bad day. Wow, that's close. Should have gone. And so our next birthday item, I know Bjorn, you would like to touch on. Why don't you go for that one? 
Yeah, well, um, Brad Sandberg had a uh, in the studios event in uh, New York City, and it's it's. I love his events because they're always so fabulous. And he he has these events where he has a seminar about different things, usually focusing on the music, of course, which is where Brad was heavily involved. But he also has this event where he talks about Neverland. And for those of you who don't know, he, he did set up a bunch of the things and the speakers and the sound in Neverland. And uh, I, I've heard this before, and he also did a live stream of this recently. It's just fabulous, all the stories he has from there. And also just when he talks about Michael, he's always so respectful and I, I love that man. And if you haven't heard his podcast yet, please go do. It is fantastic. The stories he can tell, he's a consummate storyteller. Every time he has an in-the-studio event, I do whatever I can to go when they're near me, for sure. Yeah. I have to agree, the Neverland segment, we were blessed with that when he toured Australia mm. a number of years ago. It was an absolute highlight. It really was it was so good hearing the like how brad set it up knowing and hearing the sort of background music which you know at least uh, going to disneyland there's background music for atmosphere you know brad revealing what those tracks were revealing that he even created tracks for environmental sounds for different times of the day so different birds at different times of the day different insects at different times of the day it was just mind-blowing it was such a highlight. Mm -hmm. I agree. And so Brad, yeah, as, as you touched on Bjorn, actually put together this live stream version of his Neverland talk, which I attended. And it was, I think it went on for over three hours. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, yeah, it was really pretty great. He did a really good job. He put a ton of time into it. You got to walk through kind of each area of Neverland and get stories. He incorporated interviews he'd done with Big Al, um, with uh, Violet Gaten Booker, all these like people who worked there. And uh, it was really he, it was, he did a really, really fantastic job with it. I can't imagine how much work it must have been. But um, it was terrific. Maybe he'll do those online events again, um, perhaps, but certainly if not, if you have the chance to see his events in person, do do yourself a favor and, and get to those. I did also want to just point out that one of our listeners, Jeffrey Paul Bobrick, he shared a photo with us on Twitter of him at Brad's event in New York. And he was wearing this amazing original history tour t-shirt from uh, from July 6, 1997, which he wore to that event, which was pretty cool. So shout out to you, Jeffrey. That was awesome. I did see that picture. And I was like, damn, we did not have that in our t-shirt shirt selection that was a really cool design i've got <laughs> a good number of history tour t-shirts still in like very good condition because i was like okay cool i'll wear them like a couple of times and then never again i've worn maybe one of them to a few like cons and stuff here in recent years but i yeah take good care of them i don't wear them much but i'd loved the history tour t-shirt designs so it was cool to see another one yeah if I had one, I think I would just frame it and put it. <laughs> I haven't got that much. I haven't. Don't have that much space on my walls. My God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, and Q, would you like to touch on MJ Givingtree? I know you're a big fan oh, of her work. I am, and that's partly because of you. Thank you. I'm wearing one right now. Um, one of my favorites. But uh, MJ Givingtree, uh, search on Instagram for MJ Givingtree or MJ Givingtree Shop. Had taken a whole bunch of new orders of the bracelets and jewelry to Neverland for Michael's birthday, sort of to charge them up with that beautiful Neverland and Michael energy. And I saw that she has been posting those out throughout the week. So yeah, shout out, please go and support a great MJ content creator who makes the most beautiful MJ bracelets and um, jewelry pieces and I absolutely adore mine. Yeah, she's great. She's been making some t-shirts and stuff too lately. Yes. So she's expanding. Yes. Um, and she is a, a sponsor of the show and a real supporter of us and is a great person. So definitely check her out. She's coming up with all kinds of... She has some like Star Wars stuff now, I think, as well. So yes. whatever you're into, she's got there. In, in a very mm-hmm. classy and quality way. Exactly. So yeah, that's just a few of the events. We heard about lots of other great things too, but Q, you had some some events going on in Perth. Do you want to share those? We had our little annual MJ birthday charity lunch, which we've been holding probably since about, probably about seven years, I would say now at least. And we got a pretty decent turnout for the one this year we had um what nine people that came this year which was a turnout we which we didn't quite expect we thought it might be less than that so we were absolutely stoked and we just catch up from like 12 until 5 at a um big cafe and have a meeting room so shout out to the dome chain of cafes that we have in parts of australia big it's from western australia so most of them are over here but yeah it was it was really good to catch up with everyone um, some of the people I hadn't seen for a while. Susie was a, a new person, so that was always good. Sass, who I had met many, many years ago, 2003, I think it was, um, because I had organized a MJ Innocence March through the streets of Perth, had a police permit and everything, did it all officially, and Sass was the only fan that showed up. So me and her marched through the city in our MJ Innocent T-shirts Aww. with our MJ Innocent posters. Awesome. It was it was more against the media and how they were reporting on stuff. So it was somewhere between like 03 and 05, I would say. But it was really cool that we've kept in contact and Sass is now living back here in Perth and it was her first MJ charity lunch. And on the day we raised, uh, I think, over $160 dollars. And then there were a few fans that couldn't make it that were going to contribute, which I think took the total up to over $200 that we will split between two charities. Oh, that's cool. That's so awesome that you do that. I love it. It's so easy to do out there, folks. Like, you know, we just did most of this in a Facebook group. And then from that, we've got like a a group chat in Messenger that we've got a WhatsApp group chat, but you know, every year just like, okay, well, sometime around his birthday, we're going to be at this, we've called this cafe. Have you got like a little room for us and we could play music in it? Just find a venue that has something like that, that you can do uh, and just meet up for his birthday and everyone like bring $10 or whatever and um, donate it to charity. It's literally that easy to do. I think it's great. It's very much in the spirit of Michael. It's perfect. For sure. And Bjorn, did you get to actually do anything on MJ's B-Day? 
Sadly, I did not. Oh. No. Uh, usually, there's a big party in Denmark, but with uh, with COVID going on and everything, we uh, we thought we'd keep it on the down low this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I I usually get to do stuff on on his birthday, but uh, this year was was a miss for me. Yeah, same for me. I'd hoped to be in Vegas mm. and hanging out with some awesome friends, but I had to stay stay home and said they they did stop. I have this. I have this like ridiculous obsession with this mega convenience store gas station that's on the way to Las Vegas okay. and <laughs> what <laughs> called Eddie World. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, friend of the show, Velo Christina, very kindly stopped there on the way to the MJ festivities and bought me a little monkey stuffed animal that looks like kind of looks vaguely like bubbles and says Eddie world on it. And it was really the perfect gift. So thank you so much, Christina. It was really sweet. (laughs) I felt like I was there in person a tiny bit. Um, But yeah, again, sorry to miss. I'm glad you were keeping safe. I'm glad you were keeping safe. Yeah, it it was hard. I had some major FOMO going on, but it's okay. But yeah, if any of you listeners did anything else that was really fun and you recorded, I'd love to hear more about it. Shoot us an email, share it on Twitter. Um, We'd love to just keep all that wonderful birthday happiness going. Um, So yeah, please be in touch with us. Um, Any other things to say on the birthday front, guys? Oh, no, I'm looking at the list of happy birthday, Michael, for sure. But I'm looking at the list of news. I'm like, we've got a lot to get through before we get to the main discussion. We have got a lot to get through. It's already been 45 minutes. So, oh boy. <laughs> so yeah, let's let's jump in. So, we do have a couple of pieces of estate news. First of all, let's touch on the new merch very randomly released by the estate on the Michael Jackson shop website. Um, they have dropped a bunch of Neverland Valley Ranch merch. Guys, what do you think about this? Well, I, I was as shocked as anyone. First of all, uh, why? Why now? And also, am I actually digging some of the merchandise they put out for once? <laughs> I, I, fi- I find myself digging this stuff. It, I mean, it's it's not the best of designs it could have done, but I mean, I'm getting the mug. I'm getting the t-shirt. Um, I'm 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 surprisingly into this. It was very out of the blue, wasn't it? Again, it was like, here is something that no one had asked for recently at all. Like, you know, this would have been great like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. But (laughs) this like was so random. I was like, is this, when I first saw that, I think it was an email and then on, um, Mm. I was like, is this real? But it was. (laughs) <laughs> I I actually like the concept of the Neverland Valley Ranch merchandise. I I like that concept, mm-hmm. especially for anyone that you know may have actually got to go there properly, or who has just visited even the gates. Like I think that would be so cool to have, like you know, a Neverland something or other. I like the artwork. I like the actual the little logo of the the boy on the moon you know classic iconic it's awesome i love the artwork of the valley Mm -hmm. with the clouds i think that's actually a really beautiful piece i would like that just as a print 
to frame. That would be really cool. I like it on the mug. I like it on the, it's a notebook uh, and a, a tote bag. I like it on those things. I just think the the valley with the clouds picture for clothing, it's just like visual artists would go, oh God, like really? Just clothing with a big square print on it, it sits differently on people when they wear it to if it's like a flat image. You know, people have shapes and stretch bits and, you know, shoulders or chests or whatever. And, you know, I just don't think you can just slap the same artwork on every single item because it's not suited to every single item. But I think certainly for some of these items, it fits beautifully. Then there's the other items like the Times New Roman text and the ladies over at the Black Jackson estate had a great discussion about these pieces because it's so lazy like really oh my god like so lazy on the hat and the black hoodie it's like no effort and that was disappointing um and also disappointing are the prices like they are outrageous prices for these items like really outrageous yeah that that black hoodie with just text across the front and nothing else is $85. No. Oh boy. Like the lady said, you could crazy. go to the mall and get this done for half the price not a, and then not have to pay for postage. So, yeah. but I, I like the concept of this. And I had um, actually, we've mentioned a million times today, friend of the show, Velo Christina, did some really interesting tweets about some experience that she had a number of years ago where she went through the process of proof of use for trademark and i wouldn't rule this out as a theory that this thing came out at this bizarre time that it has that the current status of the neverland ranch trademark filing had a extension granted for the trademark but to do that they actually need to show that the um, the trademark is in use by oh. having products. So, you know, they actually have to prove that, well, we want this trademark, we want to keep it. We keep doing these extensions. And now I think it was in 2017, maybe I'm wrong about that, but they sort of started auditing a lot of trademarks. And if people were not able to prove that they were actually using it, then they would lose it. So maybe an audit happened on this particular trademark and they were like, oh crap, we actually are going to get audited for this. We actually need to push something out just quickly, push it out as usual, no real thought into it and um, prove that we are using it and that we get to keep it. So I thought that was a really good theory and I'm going to run with that. I think that makes sense to me. But yeah, I think some of the items actually look quite nice. Yeah, totally agree with you. I think uh, Christina's points she brought up were totally on point. And I think the designs are nice, even if a bit lazy, but they're kind of always a bit lazy. Was it the Scream designs they put out that oh, it was kind of the same God. thing? They just slapped the same image on everything <laughs> in like a, that same square shape that doesn't actually look flattering when you're wearing it. Um, but I did appreciate that. I felt like these were designs that at least originated from art that Michael himself would have approved of. Yes. So they weren't just random 
concert photos with a stage light wrapped in a plastic bag and that sort of thing like we've seen oh my god yes you know (laughs) it feels a little more classy and a little like kind of a step up from some of that at least so i i actually had a nice positive reaction when i first when i first saw it (laughs) even if it's not they didn't really spend a whole lot of time it still does kind of feel like an intern you know slapped it together but yeah that's okay (laughs) I totally agree with you, Elise. I mean, as lazy as this might seem on the Neverland merch, always remember yeah, that stage always. lighting. Never always forget. Remember. Never forget. <laughs> yes. Never forget. Never forget. <laughs> I, I, yeah, and I have to remind myself it was even a stage light because it still just looks like a trash bag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's still for yeah. sale. <laughs> yes. You would think yeah. they would have taken that I one I saw down. it the other day. It's still for sale. <laughs> Ooh, another oh $85. Dollars. There you go. <laughs> Great. Well, let's let's keep moving along. So on more estate news, there are some updates regarding the Broadway musical that is supposedly going to actually open. Um, of course, understandably, it's been delayed because of COVID. There has been a full casting list announced. I don't really know who many of these people are just because I don't really know Broadway, to be honest. But there is a whole cast list announced. We will have a link in the show notes if you'd like to check that out. The one interesting thing I saw, which Damien Shields sent to us, is that they apparently do not have a young Michael yet at all. There is a casting call up on the internet for that. And this show is opening in just a few months. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work. But maybe it's a smaller part they're not worried about. I have um, some insight from a very big uh, fan of Broadway shows. A friend Mm. of mine on Twitter, if I could maybe share that. I sort of was asking him... The, he knows everything about Broadway. He's seen hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shows. His name is Jeff, Turkey Leg Jeff. And I've got a few tweets if I could read those out quickly because I thought the insight from someone that's a bit of a expert on Broadway could be interesting. For sure. Yeah, I'll just go from the top. So Broadway's struggling right now, unfortunately. Sales are sluggish, even among popular war horses like Wicked and Hamilton. The people who are scared of the virus don't want to be packed into a theater, and those more comfortable going out don't want to have to wear a mask for three hours. The new shows to Broadway, like MJ, more often than not have a difficult time building word of mouth and strong ticket sales. Of course, with Michael Jackson, you would expect to have big advanced sales, so it's a testament to how much further we have to go with the pandemic that tickets for MJ are still quite easy to come by. I was really excited by the idea of Ephraim Sykes in the lead role. Unfortunately, he pulled out when the pandemic hit and his acting job. He doesn't know anything about Miles Frost, who's taken on the role, but he does love Quentin Earl Darrington as Joe Jackson. The rest of the cast is mostly unknown to my friend Jeff. They didn't fill this up with starry Broadway names, but that's usually how these jukebox musicals go. They can sell tickets on the record catalogue, so they don't need to spend on the cast. Opening nights will always be sold out. It's an event and diehard fans will be there. Also, it should do relatively well in its first month due to the holidays. January is going to be brutal for Broadway and hopefully new shows can hang on. MJ is the big dog new show 
and should hang on for at least nine months due to name recognition alone. Producers will want to wait out the pandemic on big show like this. As for casting, I noticed a few shows are publicizing open calls. That's abnormal. Not sure what's behind it. The pandemic did send actors out of the city in droves, so producers must be having trouble finding people. Youth roles, like we just mentioned, Elise, though, it's common to have a search. Yes, that was his feedback, and he's a wonderful guy, so he'd be actually pretty interesting to hear from when the show opens, because he will definitely be seeing it. And I wanted to sort of say a special thank you to Jeff and maybe even if I can do a shout out because he just lost his home in flooding from Hurricane Ida. Oh boy. Oh my gosh. Oh no. Yeah. Lost everything. And I'm trying to find how I can read out his GoFundMe if anyone wanted to or was able to contribute because he is a great guy and I saw terrible, terrible videos. It was GoFundMe, I guess, help Jeff get a new home after Hurricane Ida. If you search that, or maybe I'm allowed to put a link in the show notes, Elise. Yeah, please do. if anyone could contribute, that would be um, a lot of people were really affected by that. The flooding was crazy. But yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I hope, hope he's okay. So hopefully some of that insight helped. It definitely does. Um, I know, for example, like there was a lot of criticism when Ephraim Sykes left, but kind of in line with everything that you're saying, it just given how crazy COVID was and how much it really hurt Broadway and also just hurt actors schedules and everything. I've never taken his departure from the show as a bad sign. It just seems like the natural waves of what happens with a Broadway show anyway, especially in these crazy times but that is interesting to know about the the younger the kids roles too Mm. so maybe that's just kind of how that works well it's not exactly uncommon to have multiple kids um actors playing one role just because of you know rules for their uh, school time and stuff like that uh they they can only work a certain amount of hours per week so so it may be that they have found their michael they're just looking for another michael because they'll they'll be like matinee shows i imagine yeah so they'll need kids for different times of the day and then like an understudy as well they'll probably have so yeah i don't think this is something to be alarmed about at all yeah well i hope you're right and then just to i guess speak briefly a tiny bit more about Rich and Tone, who, as I mentioned, have come on as part of the creative team, have actually been working on it quietly for several years, but it's been announced that they're part of that team. Just for anyone who doesn't know, they actually do go way back to even the History World Tour short film Ghosts. They've worked on the Michael Jackson, the Immortal World Tour and MJ1 and the Holograms we briefly talked about earlier. The Halloween TV show. Oh, yes, the Halloween TV show show yep 
Correct. Yeah. So seems like good guys who really understand at least, you know, who MJ was on an artistic level and seem to have a lot of respect for for him. So I think that's great as well. Oh, and I did, I forgot to mention, in fact, when we were talking about the Vegas events, that one of our our friends of, of the show did ask John Branca about Lynn Nottage, who is the writer on the musical, and who has you know, has faced a lot of criticism from fans for perhaps believing that Michael was guilty of allegations and yet being at the center of this whole show. And Branka claimed that she was completely misquoted. So if that's any reassurance to anyone, I still am not totally reassured because she never came out to refute anything from that problematic interview quote. But if it's helpful to know, there it is from Branka's lips to your ears if you want to take that in whatever way you'd like to. So moving along to Jackson family member, we did want to give just a brief update on Taj Jackson's GoFundMe for the Truth Runs Marathons. He posted on July 30th a big update, which was very personal and quite heartfelt. Um, So he wanted to just let all his, you know, fans and MJ fan members and people who've been funding his documentary know that he has actually gone through quite a bit of personal big stuff in the last this past really couple of years, um, including and I just it, I was so you know, especially where I am in my personal life right now. I was so amazed that he put this out on the, the page for everyone to know about he and his wife Tayana did actually go through a miscarriage, which they had not talked about previously. And then Taj also admitted that he's been going through his own health issues. So they've been dealing with a lot. I know there's constantly these questions of like, what is going on with the documentary? COVID's one thing, but he's also been going through quite a bit himself. And I have to say, I can't imagine um, losing a, a baby either, which is pretty crazy. But he did say that he said, why am I telling you this? And uh, I quote here, he said, because it felt weird and hypocritical to be working on a series that humanizes my uncle by showing all the external crap and struggles he had to deal with. While at the same time, I'm hiding my own personal struggles and crap from you guys. So, you know, I think it's really brave that Taj is just putting this all out there. It's nice to know what he's going through. And it seems very much in the spirit of, you know, his project and his uncle um, in sharing this with, you know, Michael's and and both and Taj's fans. So really respect him from doing that. My heart goes out to him and what he's been through. And um, if you have not donated to the project, please do consider it. I know it's been moving slow, but it will happen. He's got all kinds of people involved. Um, and it's eventually going to be a great project when it does come out. So I, I still have, you know, faith in this. And I'm really excited about it. 100%. If I can just add anything to that, fans, like this yeah. is in your hands as well as Taj's. So sh- mm-hmm. you need really a big boost in sharing this across your socials. Share the link. Donate if you can, because, you know, the obviously the world you know, runs on money, creating a film like this, a series, isn't cheap. So I just really encourage fans, like it's just gone really quiet on so many fronts 
where fans are just they don't push this so and i'll do it again too it's been a while since i've shared it so that's up to all of us Mm -hmm. it really is okay bjorn do you want to talk about the bad tour audio leak Elise, you know there's nothing more I want to talk about than this bad tour audio leak. Bjorn was like, this is my news item. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. We finally have the leaked audio, soundboard audio, I should say, from the final bad world tour concert from Los Angeles in 1989 which is incredible. This is uh, a concert that has been uh, leaked snippets from over the years, and we everybody knew who had it, but there actually was a, a fan uh, donation made in order to be able to buy this recording from, uh, from the person who had it and who, uh, I guess, owned it at, at the time. And uh, we finally have it. We um, Kai, who who um, who made this thing, he uh, he got the cassettes. He had them recorded. He cleaned the audio up, and now it's available for all of us for free on YouTube, which is just amazing. Me personally, I did not donate to this. I always find these, well, sometimes find these fan donation things to buy a record or or something like that. I find them sometimes to be a little bit dubious or I don't know who's behind it, you know, this whole thing. But uh, Kai came through. He um, talked to the owner of the recording. He got the whole shiz together. I mean, and and just the concert, it's incredible have either of you heard it i went through yesterday a good chunk of it and it was very good audio very good and there's a link in the description on youtube where uh because youtube sort of compresses sound there's a link i believe in the description of this video where you can download the sound yourself in better quality but it sounded terrific and you know closing night shows is always pretty enthusiastic and indeed the cast it's like a big celebration night for closing night one of you guys who's more tech savvy than me will have to show me how i actually access those files because i tried and i was like i don't even know how to deal with this oh that's definitely not my department then yeah (laughs) (laughs) you are you're gonna help me with that i'll I'll help you out i'll I'll hook you up at least but they yes they are public access which is amazing you can literally link them right there i have to say what's pretty amazing about this is that, like you said, Bjorn, the, the quality of the sound is really, really terrific. Stellar. On the one hand, you can be like, oh, well, wouldn't I rather watch YouTube videos of Michael performing or, you know, whatever. But there is something about actually not having the video that I think when I really sat down and listened to this, it it made me actually appreciate Michael in kind of a way that I I don't think I have like in the last like couple years, because I'm always watching videos of him dancing as well, or just listening to his studio music, but really listening to that live performance in really great quality. Um, you just hear the sounds differently. And I hadn't done that in, in quite a long time, I think. So it's a pretty magical experience. And this, this particular 
performance as well. There's a great list, which unfortunately I misplaced in my pile somewhere or I would read some of it. But there's a great list in the comments of the video about like every kind of last, you know, landmark moment that was represented in this particular show that makes it really special. And it's pretty amazing to go through that extensive list. Um, You saw that as well, Bjorn, yeah? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually right here in yeah. front of me. Ooh. Um yeah, yeah. Would you like just just the highlights? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's it's the last time he did a number of songs live, like Heartbreak Hotel, uh, Another Part of Me, and his last full Rock With You uh, performance. Of Obviously, it's the last Bad World Tour concert. It's the last time he performed The Way You Make Me Feel with a white shirt, which I find interesting. <laughs> and uh, there was apparently an earthquake at the end of the concert. <laughs> I didn't get to that part. I didn't get that late into it. So I actually really wanted to hear that. So you can, what do you hear? Do you hear anything? Like, is there a reaction? I'll be honest. I, I did not notice during the, um, I did not. Did you at least? I didn't notice it either. Okay. Yeah. Los no. Angelians are probably so used to earthquakes that it was like, <laughs> oh, well, Michael moved the earth for us. <laughs> I know it made for the quintessential California experience, really. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> for sure. But re- really listening to this performance, it's like, I don't know how they mixed it, but it's like you're in the audience. Mm-hmm. You can hear the audience all around you. It's just incredible. So really go listen to it. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also just one last comment is hearing the just instrumentation as well Mm. you just you hear i mean just you can hear the band in a way that i again i've i do not usually appreciate when i'm watching youtube videos you know here just even hearing like guitar bass or or really listening to michael's falsetto and some of the songs is is just amazing and yeah if you can put it on some good speakers sit on your couch, close your eyes, you, you will feel like you are in that concert. And I never got to see Michael in concert. So for me, it's extra magical. Did you have a, a favorite performance, favorite song from it, Bjorn? Uh, I'll say, I mean, it's it's my favorite in every bad concert, but I really feel like Man in the Mirror in this one, he's just got so much uh, vibrato, so much force. He's got the power in this one. Um, you know, it's, there's always some that are better than others. This is one of my favorite Man in the Mirror performances mm-hmm. ever. So good. So good. Cool. Yeah, well, definitely don't miss it. I'm. It's so grateful that it's out there for us to all hear and to access the files of. So it's amazing when fans can make these kind of things happen and share them with the community just like the yeah. state should actually be doing, and we'd be happy to pay for if they would do. <laughs> um, so thank you. Yeah. Thank you to everyone who donated to this. Yes. Really amazing, amazing job. Absolutely. I'm sure the uh, source of the audio is very stoked that they got paid some big cash for this as well. So, mm. Yeah. Speaking of tour leaks, did y'all see the little tiny and blink if you'll miss it on Instagram Never before seen triumph to a footage that Questlove shared uh, on his Instagram. 
I did. There was some real booty shaking going on in that little clip. <laughs> it was great little dance. It was so cool. Apparently, like, you know, in the school grounds before the moonwalk, like this, and then also the, you know, the Jackson brothers doing the head bop. This was sort of the move that you would see, <laughs> you know, the MJ mates doing at school and stuff. It's, um, yeah, really cool footage. I wish that blooming light behind Michael which is shining directly into whoever was filming this probably wasn't there for some of it because it was so glary but it was really cool little footage so if you haven't head to the show notes and you'll be able to find the link but if you haven't go watch this on uh, Quest Love's Instagram mm-hmm. it's pretty awesome it's pretty cool yeah but I, I just want to say this as a personal um, message to Quest Love where's the rest of the footage where is it <laughs> Right. Really? I know. Where did this little tiny <laughs> clip come from? Where did this come from? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, just want to mention really briefly, we won't go too into it, but there is an event coming up in London because everything, again, is in London or Vegas. Um, on Saturday, October 30th, they are celebrating the 30th anniversary of the annual Michael Jackson Day. And um, so if you happen to be in London, you're available on that date. It should be pretty cool. It sounds like they bring in tribute acts and they have, they'll have the... Um, sensational cast from the recording show of Thriller Live. They're going to have going to, going to have a gospel choir. They've got all kinds of fun things going on. So definitely put that on your calendar. And the event, and the reason I really want to highlight it, is it does support the Nelson Mandela Children's Fund UK. So, um, so yeah, check it out. You'll see that link in our show notes. And if I can add, really, Elise, you're missing the most important part about this entire party. It's hosted at Madame Tussauds. Oh, yes. I can see that. I mean, fun. that sounds amazing. And they're screening yes. ghosts there. Like, that's also a pretty cool oh. thing that not everyone gets to go see on a sort of a big screen. That is so true. if you yeah. get a chance, go and see this. Um, and then Q, you have a personal connection to the next item. Would you like to touch on this one? Um... It was just an article sort of giving an update on that beautiful, that refurbed Michael Jackson history statue that stood for many, many years at the McDonald's in Best in the Netherlands, and that it is still looking for a new owner. So it's being stored in a warehouse uh, by the current owner. And of course, McDonald's forced him to take it down after the documentary of a few years ago. And yeah, they are looking for a place where it can be seen and appreciated. So not just in someone's garden or their backyard or on a farm, but actually a place where fans can travel and appreciate it. So it was just a, it's a good little article. The link is in the show notes. It's being well cared for and hopefully it will stand tall again because it is a great tribute to Michael. And yeah, I'm still very grateful for Michiel in the Netherlands taking me there on a little road trip out to the McDonald's um, to see it in its prime a number of years ago. But yeah, check it out. It's a good article. And if anyone has a terrific venue and a bit of money, you can still buy it. 
Yeah, could be another fan-funded project. Yes. I mean, it would look great in front of the inn, <gasps> I'm just saying. Yeah. What a great idea. <laughs> Bjorn, Would that not be amazing? How to make that happen. That would be amazing. <laughs> you could have the biggest MJ parties there every year for charity. We'll have to, to serve like a, a King of Pop Happy Meal or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm setting up the GoFundMe for you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Uh, Bjorn, is your husband a Michael Jackson fan, I have to ask? Uh, you had to ask, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, he's not a Michael Jackson fan. Uh, he endures Michael uh, Jackson, let's say. Uh, like yes. many of our spouses. Yes. But, but yes. I think all of ours, yes. I think we're very lucky that we have all supportive husbands in that regard, even if they're not in our same t-shirts sitting you know like we do with our mj memorabilia and stuff they're not in that camp but we're very much appreciative of all this support for us doing that yes absolutely absolutely well i was hoping that you would say he'd be thrilled to have it in front of the end <laughs> yes. as well but well he'll be thrilled and i'm thrilled to have it there so you yes go. <laughs> that's, that's all it. that matters <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, moving on to the next item. Uh, are either of you big K-pop fans? No. No. I have Q. I have to say um, I like a couple of groups. Especially, there's two songs off the group, One Us, which I absolutely go nuts for. Um, and, of course, you know, BTS with their song Dynamite and their new one, Butter, is also Butter, Butter. It's also a great track. Um but have you guys seen this music video? I'm, what is the name of the group? I haven't got the article open in front of me. Uh, yeah, so the so this is a K-pop trio called BDC, which I, I have to be honest, I don't know much about K-pop. I'm really behind on this trend. But yeah, they have a single called Moonwalker, which has very specifically been inspired by Michael Jackson. Q, do you want to speak to that video? If you like K-pop, you will love it. If you if you enjoy yes, music in languages other than English, which I have to say is a big fair chunk of the music that I listen to is not in English, and I am actually uh, someone that doesn't speak any other language, so I have no idea what any of these other songs are about, but I still very much appreciate them. Um, thank you, Eurovision, for teaching me how to appreciate other music and languages. Um, but this is actually, I've added this song to my Spotify lists, and um, I look forward to when it comes on, when it's on shuffle. It's it's a good, fun song. And the video, the boys do a great job doing the moonwalk on the moon with a million backup dancers. They got like, there's three main singers in this group, but they've all got like a team of backup dancers behind them each and um yeah it's great fun another wonderful tribute to michael and we salute that yeah and what i think is cool is they were, were actually quoted saying it would be great if the public could remember us and follow us by thinking of michael jackson even for a moment so it really is it's not just you know a little vague homage it really is a real tribute to michael jackson they sing about doing the moonwalk they all do the yeah. moonwalk together i think they could use a little more practice with their moonwalk but looks like they're doing it in boots which isn't easy i have to say yeah yeah, they're doing it in combat boots, I think. So I'll, you know, I'll give them a pass. But uh, but no, it's a fun video. If you're into K-pop and do not know this video, definitely do check it out. 
And then we do have a couple, we're getting to the end, folks, We of the news items. We do have a couple of losses in the MJ world that we just did want to touch on briefly. So Michael Jackson's uncle, Luther, has died. And it actually sounds like he had COVID in addition to pneumonia. He was 85 and he has passed away. So that is really sad. One less Jackson family member in the world. And I guess he was, I didn't know that much about him. This is Luther Jackson. He was Joe Jackson's younger brother. And I guess he was actually fairly well known in the blues world and did, in fact, perform with Joe, had a band, and also had a really close relationship with Tito. And they would occasionally perform and kind of had the blues connection in common. So it does seem, you know, it is a loss. And Jermaine, actually, I think um, he helped teach uh, both Tito and Jermaine how to play the guitar oh yes you are right Mm -hmm. yeah so our condolences to the family on that it's a bummer it really is sad to watch this whole you know generation passing away and i'm glad we still have Catherine with us but um you know it's it's tough and it is really especially sad that it was covid related unfortunately i think he may have recovered from covid and then got pneumonia not oh long after and it was a particularly brutal yeah, pneumonia exactly yeah sad I, I think in the article that you're going to link to in the show notes i think i remember reading that uh luther and joe's father lived to 103 holy guac. Do I remember that correctly that's incredible yeah i think you are right and I guess lastly, well, not quite lastly, second to lastly, we also lost another big musical icon, Walter Yetnikoff. And um, I, I didn't, to be honest, know that much about him, but he, he was really, really influential in the record industry as a whole. He was a record label executive who led CBS Records as the president and CEO from 1975 to 1990. And he really was instrumental in MJ's career, as I'm sure many of you know. Um, He especially was influential in terms of forcing MTV to play Michael Jackson's Billie Jean and was just a really, really big part of his career, as well as a bunch of other artists, um, Paul McCartney, all kinds of people, Paul Simon, there's just uh, amazing folks on his list. So when he did die, I mean, it was I saw this in every newspaper that that was coming out. So it is quite a loss. He was in his 80s. But yeah, pretty big deal. He had a big impact on the music industry. And Michael himself thanked him profusely at awards. And they seemed to, you know, they really did have a, a important professional and personal connection. So condolences on that as well. Yeah, yeah. Well the Yetnikov, he was he was really cool because as 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 you said, he did have Billie Jean come on to MTV after they refused to play black artists for quite a while. And he basically called them up and said play Michael Jackson or I remove all of our other artists mm-hmm. right now. So he basically said it's all or nothing. Mm-hmm. 
uh, which was really cool. Yeah. What a badass. <laughs> I know. Really. So on our last news item before we get to our main discussion topic, did just want to touch on Tito Jackson's new album briefly. This is on a much happier note than our last two items. And as in our last regular episode, we talked a bit, Jamin talked a bit about his first video that had come out, which is awesome, which is for Love One Another, which features like the whole Jackson family. Catherine Jackson's right at the opening. It has some of our friends in our community too. Um, Yannicka is in the video. Darren Hayes is in the video. It's really a lot of fun. But now the whole album has been released. And I think it's fantastic. Have you guys listened to it? What do you think about it? I had a listen to it yesterday I was as I was setting the tables for a big party at the end and i gotta say it really kept me um i was surprised how much dancing it kept me because it's very it's very jazzy it's very almost swingy one could say and yeah it's 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 a great album i really enjoyed it it suits tito to a t pun intended (laughs) it's it's really well done the production level is like incredible right quality it's so good and this bluesy sound like tito was born for he was born for this like and it just is i'm so happy that he's got you know his second solo album out and it's you know different to his first one which is a bit more poppy but this one is yeah bluesy a bit swingy a bit jazzy it's really good it would be so great to see him do this live because he is literally in his element. It's it's a really, really solid album, and I'm so happy for him. I totally agree. I think this is where Tito is meant to be musically. Um, I enjoyed the the poppy stuff he had previously put out, but um, but I think this is this is absolutely his where his stride is. I got to see him play solo before COVID when he was touring with the BB uh, King Blues Band, and it was just such a revelation. It was awesome. I was like in the front row. I have that. I yes, you, you've probably I seen the video. I, I was like, whoa, <laughs> staring right up at him. But it was so great because I was just oh, and and at the show in particular he was just like jamming too for long periods of time and just hearing him on the guitar really get into those blues roots is pretty fantastic so I love this direction he's going in Um, I would actually even love to see him go a little more raw than this album Um, it's great I still think it feels a little bit like heavily produced I would love to just like for him to even push a tiny bit further. Um, But I I really enjoy this album. I'm going to be listening to it on repeat quite a bit. But I I like that sort of unplugged idea, like maybe for the next one, just, Mm -hmm. yeah, keep this trend going and, yeah, do like maybe a live set and just, you know, record like a, Mm -hmm. a great show that he does in a great venue that you got to see, something like that. Because, again, that would suit him and his sound perfectly as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But I hope he keeps embracing it. I hope this album does well. Go buy it. You can buy it on vinyl. You can buy it digital. You can buy it physical, whatever you want. I'm very tempted to buy the vinyl version. And there's, yeah, there's great stuff. There's, there is kind of a little bit, some more, some more poppy dance stuff, but there's also 
some stuff that sounds like really like New Orleans. It's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun. He has a lot of guest musicians on the album. It's great. Definitely, definitely check it out. My, my favorite tracks were, I do love, love one another just because I think the vibe and the message is great. I also love Under Your Spell, the title track, Big Leg Woman and Rock Me Baby are my favorite uh, tracks. Big Leg Woman was so good. <laughs> so good. Oh my so God. So good. Yeah. I think that is already a fan favorite. Um, and did did he? Um, maybe I missed this. Did he break Michael's record for the amount of celebrities in the in the lead single video? <laughs> like Liberian girl, was it left in the dust? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot, but it's like the perfect covid yeah. video too because everybody's on yeah, little yeah. zoom and it's just a lot of fun and super warm and loving and just makes you happy to watch it 100 <laughs> percent, love it so everyone did you guys see on september 6th janet shared on her social media a new trailer for a documentary she's doing that was unexpected to say the least was it not what Ugh. the heck oh my god i was like what the what this is still happening? Yeah, yeah. And I I'll I'll be honest, it looks really good. Really, really good. Like, yes, top quality. Yeah, yeah, quality production, yeah. What network is it that um is actually gonna be airing this? It doesn't actually say anything about distribution at all. So it, it may be coming to cinemas. It may be coming to HBO. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Okay. I yeah. I I heard. I saw that it's like a it's a two part docu series, and each part mm-hmm. is two hours. I guess if it's on a platform that has ads, it'll be less. But if it's on a streaming platform without ads, that's like four hours of inside Janet. I mean, hell, I'll be in a theater for four hours being inside Janet. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would totally watch that. That would be amazing. <laughs> that would be kind of fabulous, yeah. But it looks amazing. It looks like there's a lot of unseen footage. We do get a short burst of Michael in there as well. Yeah, there's a little bit of 90s MJ and Janet in a hotel room. He's sitting on the bed. She's working on a laptop on the floor. Very quick flash. Yeah, it's very blink and you'll miss it, right? Very quick, yes. But uh, lots of, uh, in her own words, unseen personal footage coming our way. And she's saying that this is, you know, her story, her view of her story. And did you catch the uh, the music going through the entire thing was Control? How she wants to be in control of her, you know, story? Yes, very much so. And the the buzzwords that came up on the screen, unfiltered, revealing. Mm -hmm. So we will see. We will see. I do have um, a little quote here because it also featured a couple of talking heads. There was uh, Mariah Carey, Missy Uh, Elliott, Paula Abdul. And they are in awe of Janet as they open the preview clip singing her praises. Elliot says, this is what a superstar looks like. She's an empowered woman, Mariah Carey adds. And Paula Abdul, she is a force to be reckoned with. Well, they're right. Yeah. They are. They are. I think there is not (laughs) going to be a disappointed Janet Jackson fan in the house. What do you think about, um, uh, quote, your cousins? Uh, how will they react in, in the Janet podcast? 
Oh my God. Well, I'm just excited that hopefully just this will maybe mean there's a, uh, a new episode coming where they'll discuss the trailer. Like I, I miss the ladies. I miss the ladies. I miss the episodes. So I hope that this sort of means that there might be an episode coming our way. Bring Get on, on it, ladies. Yes, cousins, please. <laughs> oh man, I want to party with those girls so much. Yeah, I know, right? They I are know. so fabulous. <laughs> we oh. would have the best time. If you, if you don't know what we're talking about, folks, go and tune in to the Janet Jackson podcast. Uh, Janet today, Janet forever, Janet tomorrow, is it? I can't even remember. It's been a while since an episode. I know, right? It's, it's actually been quite a while. So, so let's yeah. hope that this will bring them back together for recording. Yes, Janet Jackson Pod on Twitter. Go follow, and then all the links you'll find there. But yes, very exciting for this Janet docu series, which I, from memory, early next year. So I, I'm going to guess the first quarter of next year. So bring it on. Yes. Oh, it's actually coming January 22. Yeah. January. Yeah. So January. Ooh, happy New Year! Bring it on. Oh, indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and by the way, how exciting is it that in addition to this docu-series that will come out next year, Mm -hmm. that the long-awaited album, Black Diamond, well, I'm assuming it's the same album that was announced really early in 2020, that the the new album will be coming Uh, next year as well. Yes. All of the Janet, all of the Janet will be coming our way. And we're getting a new single from this forthcoming album, apparently by the end of this year, by the end of 2021. So, yay. So exciting. Indeed. Well, thank you guys for getting through that epic, epic news update. We know the the listeners love a good news update. Yeah, yeah. Um, so why don't we jump into our main discussion topic, which I'm so excited to get into. Yeah. As I mentioned at the top of the show, Bjorn and Q conceived of this idea and discussion, which again, I'm so excited to talk about this concept around Michael Jackson and the LGBTQIA community. Oh, yes. I will be mostly acting as a moderator through this and as an ally, super, super excited to hear your thoughts and chime in where I can. But this is mostly going to be Q and Bjorn's show and can't wait to hear about your ideas you're going to share with us and hopefully will be, you know, very enlightening um, for the rest of us who haven't maybe thought as much about this. I can't wait to hear your insights. Bjorn, would you like to introduce kind of where you because you this was really initially, I think your seed of an idea. Oh, yeah. This was all on Bjorn, all on Bjorn. Love it. (laughs) Yeah. Would you like to just talk a little bit about how you kind of came to thinking about doing this main discussion topic? Yeah, I would love to. Um, The the thing with Michael Jackson and the LGBTQ plus community is that for for his entire life, he was basically, uh, there was rumors going around that he was gay, that he was asexual that he was transsexual and and he always denied these rumors a lot and and uh, as we all know he grew up as a jehovah's witness which has a very strict anti-gay beliefs and that is how he was brought up and that is um sometimes still the beliefs that are in 
in some parts of the Jackson family. Uh, this is a quote directly from Paris Jackson herself. Um, and, and so I really wanted to, to go, go through this topic because I think it's important, especially today, where, uh, the LGBT plus community is more accepted than ever. Also just me, you know, when I was a young gay kid having an idol as Michael Jackson, I, I couldn't help wondering, how does Michael feel about all of this? And before we really get into that, I, I should also say that both Q and I were both uh, gay, we're both cis men. Uh, so even though we're going to talk about trans issues as well, we're going to talk about other issues within the LGBTQ plus community. We can only talk from our point of view, and we certainly don't represent the entire rainbow. So, uh, but we hope we can represent everyone uh, fairly and well. Thank you for that point because that was perfectly said better than I could. Yes, it is just a good reminder that, you know, yes, the MJ cast reports on news. In other episodes, it does amazing interviews with guests. But uh, when it comes to discussion and our, like, thoughts on topics, put your pitchforks down because it is literally just our opinions we're not telling you to think this we don't want you to believe stuff because we're saying it it is literally a talk show it's an opinion show and these are just our personal opinions and they certainly do not represent the huge variety of uh, people's lives and experiences out there which are very different to ours. And I did put out um, a couple of tweets um, to try and hear back from various people to, because this is, I have to say, not a topic that I had put a lot of thought into before. So I was curious what other people had um, thought about in regards to this for them personally. And we did get some responses back and I really appreciate those. I really enjoyed reading all of those and pushing a little bit further for some people. But um, we didn't get many varied uh, people responding. It, we didn't get many women responding at all, any queer women, or that I know of uh, trans voices as well. I was really curious about the broader community. So I did what I could to sort of reach out and listen to what other people had to say. But of course, this is mainly today just Bjorn and myself, which like he said, uh, cis white gay men. Yeah, and I just, well, very well said, both of you. And I would like to add that if any of you do hear this and you didn't get the, the chance to chime in, we'd love to hear from you. I think this is something that should be an ongoing and involving conversation because it's fascinating and it's an important conversation to have now in these times. So I'm excited to dive into it. Also, just a little reminder that we are not saying that Michael was gay. We're not saying he was anything other than heterosexual at all. So again, pitchforks down. That is not what this discussion is. We are not saying that Michael was gay at all. We're talking about as fans who are in the Rainbow Mafia, our personal sort of relationship with Michael as a gay fan and maybe discuss if there were any influences on him from queer art or queer collaborators. Mm -hmm. That is all. Exactly. 
Well, so let's dive into some questions that will guide our conversation a little bit. So why don't we first step back and just a a tiny bit and look at the Jackson family as a whole. So the Jackson family does have a history of queer icons. Can both of you speak to who they are and how they have become queer icons? Uh, yeah, I, I can get started. I mean, um, one of my favorite queer icons in and out of the Jackson family is Janet Jackson, of course. And and the thing with Janet is is she sometimes gay men choose their icons based on the struggles that a particular person is going through. Uh, but really with Janet, she took the bull by the horns and really did almost didn't choose to be a gay icon, of course, but she, she really went into the discussion about homosexuality back in the nineties and actually recorded songs about it for several of her albums. And th- this is back when, um, when it wasn't common to to hear the topic of homosexuality discussed openly and 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 Janet really did uh speak about it in her art for instance the song together again is about um friends she lost in the AIDS epidemic in the 80s and early 90s so she she really has been a a uh torch holding um person in in this entire discussion and uh, she has received several awards for uh being a gay rights activist a lgbt rights activist and also for uh for funding money for uh for the aids project los angeles and and many other things and also just the fact that especially queer men i should say they they gravitate towards women who has gone through some sort of struggle and and certainly the Super Bowl incident with uh, Janet where she sort of fell from the top some people would suggest that certainly was a struggle that that queer men could identify with uh, the sort of uh, public downfall um, in, in some people's eyes which was of course ridiculous I mean who hasn't seen the breast before, but the fact that this was uh, very publicly on TV certainly held back on her career for a number of years. So, uh, so yeah, Janet is certainly the, I should say, biggest queer icon in the Jack- Jackson family. Yeah, completely agree with everything you just said. Hearing Janet sing about those issues and talk about them in interviews was so reaffirming as a sort of questioning and confused young queer kid like those were really moments that i can look back to and remember with such gratitude and even seeing my first ever concert live was my first ever big pop concert live was janet jackson on the janet tour really yes yes i started really with like big boots to fill um so that was you know just a bit of a game changer it was i was in high school i think the final year of high school and just watching her perform and her beautiful dances and those gorgeous men that she got to dance with i was like (laughs) no 
this isn't just uh, like a curious phase or something. This That was quite a reaffirming uh, moment for me, for sure. So, yeah, Janet, definitely so much gratitude for all that she's done so boldly and proudly as an ally. Um, so much gratitude. So one could say that Janice was your sexual awakening or her dancers, that was. Oh, def- that, yes, I could add that <laughs> definitely into that list of probably a number of things, but for sure, that was seeing those incredibly talented dancers with her on stage close up. I was like, yep, I'll be for sure remembering this moment. <laughs> now, we also have uh, Latoya Jackson, uh, and, and, and Q, you are also a big fan of Latoya. Why do you think she's a queer icon? Because she's just fabulous. <laughs> she's just fabulous. She's great. Um, I think also, like you said, uh, as, you know, a uh, young gay man, I think we are drawn to people that have gone through something and come out of it stronger on the other side. Is there anyone that epitomizes that more than Latoya? Well, and, let's talk uh, about a struggling woman, right? Yeah. Yeah. And hardworking. Like, Latoya works. How many TV shows has she done that are very much out of her comfort zone? Mm. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll go and do a cooking show and, you know, show that part of my life or I'll go do a you know air quotes reality show uh and have hilarious situations and friends and things like that on that or yeah I'll go and join a police force and actually be sort of deputized and be tasered and go and help women that are in abusive relationships you know Latoya she has been through a lot and she, I think, in my opinion, is doesn't get the credit she deserves, and she works. Oh yeah, she she best works hard. She definitely does, and also I just love her because she is so camp. She's so really, camp. She's so camp. She's so over the top. She's a, she's the biggest diva ever, and, and I mean, who can relate to that, right? And. <laughs> Also, her her giggle. I mean, who can fall in love with her? Just cute. <laughs> you know that. Oh, so good. Um, and, yeah. when, and speaking of the reality show she's done, uh, she's also uh, raised money for charity. When she competed on the Celebrity Apprentice, she raised uh, money for the AIDS Project Los Angeles. So fantastic! Uh, she she also has been a part of that part of the community. I remember. I don't know how long ago it was. I'm pretty sure she did a sort of charity appearance in West Hollywood for Halloween, which, you know, that's like gay Christmas and WeHo. Um, And she was at like a milkshake bar and serving milkshakes in an absolutely over-the-top, fabulous Halloween costume. And I'm pretty sure that was for a charity, probably a local one as well. And even Mm. her appearances on RuPaul Drag Race and she's friends with RuPaul. She's got songs with RuPaul. She does. That's true. Mm. I did not know she has songs with RuPaul. Yes. <laughs> well, now you know, and you'll never be able to forget. <laughs> I ne- will never forget. <laughs> and I think we can possibly also, for me, maybe not for everyone, but for me, I would actually mention Paris as well. For right. sure. Like, 
you know, it's been through some shit, come out of it glowing, shining, you know, being more comfortable with her true self and doesn't really feel comfortable labeling her sexuality as, you know, bi or just gay. It's it's much more broader, perhaps even pan. So I, for me, I've been really inspired and amazed by Paris and how open and vocal she is about her sexuality and her struggles with it initially but also the acceptance of it from her father and her brothers. And I think for me, she is like maybe the younger sort of modern gay icon of the family. I would absolutely agree with that. Uh, She is just inspiring in her openness uh, with talking about her sexuality and even her refusal to, to label it as more than just she says queer, she calls herself queer, just because she doesn't want to label it further. She's talked about it in multiple interviews. Uh, Lately, she talked about it on a a show called The Red Couch Interview with, what's Mm -hmm. her name, Willow Smith, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, correct. Yes. Good friend and also, you know, queer young lady willow herself so it was really great for them sort of both sharing their experiences in in this really amazing interview yeah if you haven't seen it and want to get to know paris as she is today go watch that interview i'm sure it'll be in the show notes it's just great and and i love the fact that she's very specific she says i've dated more women than i've dated men uh the public don't even know about all the people i've dated she even said that she's dated a man that had a vagina and that it's nothing about what's in your pants it has nothing to do with your xy chromosomes it's just what you are as a person that's what she goes for um which i think is inspiring and i think michael as her father had a lot to do with her being able to grow into that and accept that and feel comfortable in that. I think, you know, I think Michael really laid a strong foundation for those kids in many ways, but for Paris through this issue, I think, I, I you know, she's mentioned specifically that when she was younger, how accepting Michael was of that part of Paris's life. Yeah, even when she yeah. she wasn't out. I mean, she probably didn't even know what what these things were. She mentioned that that Michael would call her out on looking at women as a young teen um, or as a young woman, I should say, and and calling it out as in teasing her about it, like she, like he would tease. The, the the other brothers about oh you're looking at that girl over there he would do it the same with uh with her which i think is i think it's great honestly i think it says a lot about michael yeah i think it says a lot yeah and i'm happy that that's that's where he ended um but we'll we'll, we'll probably go through in a, in a bit uh where where he's come from with within his life about you know looking at 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 queer people but yeah, I, I definitely think that, that Paris is a more modern queer icon in the Jackson family. Yeah, I totally agree. I think she is, I just think she's such a great example of just a powerful young person who understands who she is after going through a lot as a teenager 
and struggling. And I can never, I can never imagine what it must be like to grow up as someone like her, who's so much in the public eye and going through some tough times as a teenager and where she is now, just so self-assured and the way she's presenting herself to the world um, as the person she really wants to be, I think is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. So love everything you're saying about Paris for sure. So jumping to Michael then, um, after we have this bit of Jackson family context, do, do you feel that Michael himself is a queer icon and why or why not? Well, I'll say yes and no, <laughs> because he's not a queer icon in the, in the sense that he um, that he openly supported the queer community. He was never a person to uh, to really say that that gay is okay, and he, he was he was never that kind of guy, and and which is fine. I mean, he he doesn't have to be. He he, uh, he according to himself, he he wasn't a part of that community. So so why would he be? You know, and and certainly the uh, the seventies, eighties, nineties weren't necessarily a time where people openly talked about these things. So so he he wasn't really one to 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 pay it forward in in that sense I guess but he certainly has his queer moments in regards to his fashions and sometimes in his music and in his dance and uh, one of my 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 close friends who is a a trans person told me that he is actually somewhat of an icon in trans circles, especially back in the day, where people saw him going from a uh, more masculine presenting man to a more feminine presenting man. And uh, that was an inspiration to those in the trans community. I did not know this, so that was very interesting to me. That is, yeah, I did not know that. And that's really interesting. I can see going on visuals and sort of the way that Michael presented himself and evolved for lack of a better word that I can, I can see that would be the case. I came across this article from 2009, actually, uh, right. It was published online right after Michael passed, which is, I would just want to quote one tiny, tiny section from it. And I want to say, I don't agree with everything in this article. I think some of the language is dated and problematic. And I'm I'm not a huge fan of the article as a whole. But I think this line, if we take it with a grain of salt and realize it's a bit dated, is kind of interesting going along with what you have just said. So this reads, just as Michael was black, he was also queer because he did not conform to our society's heterosexist norms. And just as the man in the mirror faded from black to white, it's, you know, not not great language right there. This 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 article, by the way, does acknowledge he had vitiligo at least. Um, so too did his staged gender performances from cute straight boy lead singer of the Jackson Five to an effeminate, again, I don't know if that's quite the right wording, but to an effeminate male solo artist donning outfits with sequins. I think it's just kind of an interesting way to think about everything, again, going along with what mm. you just said, um, and how he was, how he did maybe evolve over time a bit and was perhaps perceived also by by mainstream audience, by maybe a queer audience as well. Um, you know, there was kind of an interesting transition there that I don't know if we've ever 
fully, fully explored in a really serious, authentic way when I'm excited to be doing right now. But um, I don't know if that at all resonates with with you guys. Oh, absolutely. I think it's... uh... I think that 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 line specifically, while some of the the wording is a bit problematic, it certainly is is very true because if if you just see Michael Jackson throughout his career, there was a change, and I'm not saying the the change was uh, gender based or even sexuality based or anything like that, but there certainly was a a change in the way that Michael presented himself. That, that could be construed as having to do with the LGBTQ community. And who knows, maybe Michael did identify as queer, but that's not for us to say. Right. But but uh, but he, he certainly, I can see why some queer people find inspiration in him. Because he was, on stage at least, very flamboyant, as you say, with the uh, sequence, which, you know, was very normal for performers in, in the 60s and 70s. But he held on to those sequence <laughs> all throughout his career, which I think is just fabulous. So, so I can definitely see why Michael would be a queer icon, but, but I don't think he is in the sort of classic sense of, of the word. So for me personally, I would say that for me, Michael is not a queer icon. And just with your discussion there, it's like, well, I still really don't know why not. Because, you know, he's got so much that would lend towards becoming a queer icon. And I'm sure that he absolutely is for some and in some circles of the community, perhaps. But for me, he wasn't mm. really at all. I, You know, his androgyny was something that did stand out for me growing up. I think also his fearlessness in being himself was something that I was drawn to and maybe other young queer fans as well, having the bravery to be different and to not care what other people thought of you and to just go out there and be your best self, however over the top and fabulous it might be. I think Michael was definitely a terrific example of that. And maybe it, you know, it definitely wasn't directed towards people who work we are but it was something that we could identify with and find solace in and bravery and comfort but comparing to maybe some others in the era like boy george or elton john perhaps um for me michael's not the same queer icon as those performers of that similar era and sort of caliber Right, and I should I should clarify that when we say queer icon, being a queer icon doesn't mean that you're a part of the queer community no, necessarily, no. but that you're someone that the queer people look up to as an icon. Yes, yes, yeah, perfectly for, said. Mm-hmm. For anyone out there that might be wondering about that, and I also want to one line that kind of I keep thinking of is this idea of not only being or not being a queer icon or being or not being queer, but there's this idea too of the queering by not conforming to certain norms, right? And how revolutionary that can be in itself, no matter how you actually identify. And I think there's something very important there. Yeah. And definitely, I think Michael had that down. Yes. Whether consciously or not, or 
something that that was in his mind, definitely you can apply that into that sort of that framework for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, he certainly did not apply to any sort of gender expression norms at all. He would regularly uh, keep his his long curly hair, which wasn't always uh, the norm. He would uh, keep on with the with the sequence. He wouldn't mind wearing makeup in public in his day to day life. So so yeah, in 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 that sense, he was definitely one who uh, who actually didn't give a shit about what people thought of that. <laughs> in the same way that that prince was very androgynous as well. Oh yeah. Definitely Prince, right up there. Mm-hmm. Two different, for, for me, and I know some friends of mine, two very different ends of that spectrum. Mm-hmm. Prince was sort of almost hyper-masculine, over-the-top sexuality for everything mm. or for a lot of stuff, or like in an aggressive way, whereas Michael was the other end of the spectrum and he was, you know the guy that girls would want to take home to meet their family because he was the more romantic, over-romantic, sweet and, you know, lovely gentleman, not a sexual threat at all. And also that whole, I'm not related to that specifically, but the whole gender-bending, confusing norms and bringing stuff in. Because you look at Michael's face and what is sort of the perfect masculine face? It is a strong jaw, defined cheekbones, a nice strong brow, big eyes, a very aquiline nose, like nice, you know, straight, strong sort of nose uh, and that was Michael's face. That's what Michael's face became as he grew older. And yet it wasn't viewed as that by so many people, like a very hyper-masculine face, even though going down the list, it's ticking all of the boxes. And Michael was not afraid to wear the false eyelashes, the eye makeup, which he had tattooed on. You know, mm-hmm. his eyebrows were for me, a big inspiration as when I finally got eyebrows that were not blonde, which I had for most of my life, when they actually grew in dark. I And then I was like, well, now they're not even, you know, the hair's a bit darker on this side. I would draw them on. And I never did that for me as like a gay thing. I did that as a Michael thing. Yes, there were some bad years where they look like the Scream video eyebrows. But that, was a, that was that was you know that was the nineties, folks. If you lived through it, you know. Um, so for me, that was like people would think that I had my eyebrows drawn on because I was gay, but it wasn't. It was because Michael did it, and they always looked so neat and perfect, and I wanted that. So he was never afraid to sort of go. Oh well, I can't wear makeup because I'm a man. And also that was a huge thing in the 80s and the 90s. Like you look at the most masculine rock bands of that era, Def Leppard, Poison, obviously Kiss, um, even Bon Jovi in their early days and the way that they presented and what masculinity was presented as in music back then. And they were all in eyeshadow, in lace, in sequence. 
in huge hair with different colors or like long hair or colored hair, dyed hair, and uh, like pieces of feminine clothing, even like leather and studs and harness sort of clothing. Like Michael sort of didn't shy away from that as much as many other artists didn't at that time. Yeah, and the whole bad era is a perfect example of that. Just looking at his costuming and, you know, even the bad album cover totally just taps into exactly what you're saying there, which was, I mean, that was an era which in some ways he was, he was super, came across as super masculine. And yet it was this very kind of performanced version of that masculinity. Perfect words performance version of it because we all love like the come together video where he's you know in the leather and the huge buckle belt and all that kind of thing open shirt like you know that is the hyper masculine the bad leather and studs and harness outfit again that's like so hyper masculine the leather in that what does that hearken to there's like a whole leather community mm-hmm. was there inspiration from that like, you know, the bikers, the leather community that wear that leather as an empowering costume, as their as their dress, as their statement. Like, Michael did that, and he wasn't afraid of doing that. That come together video, man. I was talking with someone on Twitter, I think, Hugh, you saw this, that as a fan, I don't, I actually don't really crush on Michael very much, but except for that video. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people feel that way. Let me tell you. It's the best. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I love everything you are saying that saying there. So to lead into kind of our next point, which touches on all these same things, what were some of the inspirations that you feel Michael used, which could be potentially interpreted as queer inspirations? We've gotten to this a bit. Um, Bjorn, do you want to add on to that as well? Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I definitely want to piggyback off what Hugh just said uh, with the, you know, the belt buckles and the leathers, which is something that's used very much in, in the queer community even today uh, as a sort of FU to the establishment. Uh, and, and that's the same way that especially back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, you would also see quite a lot of uniforms in the queer community as a way of of saying, you're not allowing me, for instance, in the US military, to be a part of this. Well, I'm wearing a uniform anyway. So it was a FU to established society. That might not have been where Michael got it at all, because it might have been a part of his uh, racial history, because a lot in the Black community, which I'm not a member of the Black community, but in the history of the Black community, uh, you've also seen a lot of uniform wearing and also a lot of these belts and buckles and this whole thing as a way to say to to the establishment that I will be a part of this if, even if you won't let me. So, so that's seen a lot in, in, in sort of minority groups that they will take these ideas from the society that they cannot be a part of and use them in their own society. I don't know if I can add much to that. That was so well said. <laughs> it was. That was so well said. I think we also need to remember Michael's life in show business. What was some of his earliest and at the time most traumatic experiences? It was watching drag shows 
as a child that would not have had any concept of what he was watching. Like you are not going to go and take your like seven-year-old kids to watch sexually explicit shows at an adults club. And this is where these boys were performing. And for Michael, you know, he's clearly a very sensitive guy. And as a child, you, you know, like sensitive children and how they would process that. And I think that, I wouldn't say was an inspiration, but Michael was exposed to sort of like queer shows at least since he was a very small child. Yeah, yeah. That That's definitely a valid point because even from an early age, he was exposed to these kind of uh, showgirly shows, either as a lead-in or, or going before them uh, to, to their shows. And and they these people might have been women showgirls or they might have been men or drag queens as you say and and that would certainly um have shaped his way of looking at gender identity to to maybe see that these men in women's clothing that was perfectly acceptable to to do that in a show so maybe that has been a way of him shaping the idea in his mind that for show you can do this kind of stuff. You can go wherever you want. I mean, and I mean, isn't that just inspiring to a young kid to be able to get that message? So, so yes, I think the uh, the moral of the story here is we can thank drag queens for the genius of Michael Jackson. That's, that's what I'm getting from this. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think later on in his life, when he was sort of specially maybe branching out uh, finding himself as, you know, uh, I guess, you know, late teenager, early 20s, he was living in New York. Him and LaToya were going to Studio 54. Oh, yes. What an incredible and heavily queer venue. And the the shows, the talent, the the patrons, the community that they would have been exposed to there, that would have been absolutely eye-opening to Michael and I do think that some of the theatrics of that would have influenced him. Also, the friends he had at the time, who who was he friends with? He was friends with people like uh, Freddie Mercury. What a amazing queer artist, a queer icon. And absolutely like so unabashedly so like so bold. He He was exposed to that and he sort of in a way like reveled in it because it was a, a part of his life that he'd never had before. He he was friends with Liberace. Who's you put Liberace's home interior next to Michael's. Like is there a big difference? Not really. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. You put some of their some of their costumes next to each other. Is there a big difference? Probably Liberace would be the only person, maybe Elton John, that would rival Michael in the amount of rhinestones and sequins that they use in their incredible costumes on stage and off stage. That is such a fabulous point. And I think definitely Michael was inspired by some things that have been uh, sometimes identified as being gay inspirations, queer inspirations, like he loved musical. He loved, uh, you know, stage shows and plays and yes. all these kind of things. Um, he certainly had a, a affinity for art yep. that is often seen in queer men. Again, 
Not saying he was a queer man, but saying he definitely has had some of the same inspirations that you see in in some of these other queer icons. I think you can you only have to go and look at some of those shows that he did with his brothers, like the Jackson's Variety mm-hmm. Show, and some of those routines, and some of those theatrical productions and costumes and the dancing in that to see that very clearly. And that's an incredible thing that that sort of art produced by people in the community filtered through and not just to Michael to so many artists of that era it was like the 70s after all um but it filtered through and you can definitely see it like Michael's camp is anything dancing up a storm in some of those Jackson's variety show oh, yeah. numbers it's fantastic it's fabulous and yeah not saying that he was queer himself but it was something that he could see the freedom to express himself through And if we go back even earlier, this is one of my favorite tidbits about Jackson um, sort of queer-ish history, which is the song Ben. And this was a song that was written for Michael. He was told to record this. He had nothing to do with his creation other than singing it. But Ben has been interpreted as being a queer love song. You know, some some of the lyrics in, in this song, you know, Ben, uh, they would turn you away. Uh, they don't understand you. These, these kind of things. It, it could be definitely Michael singing to a young queer kid. Mm-hmm. I can absolutely guarantee my entire Michael Jackson collection. There would be a queer MJ fan out there or even just a queer kid who has a boyfriend named Ben who would have <laughs> sung this song to his boyfriend named Ben. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. 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 We know, you know, we know the song was used in the soundtrack for a film, but it's art and you can interpret art however you want. That's the thing about art. It's not given with instructions, this is how you need to interpret right. it at all. So, Definitely, that song would have been perceived by some people as that. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You can tell us it was about a rat, but we know. We know, Michael. (laughs) We know. (laughs) We know, songwriter. Yes, indeed. Um, What about the fact that in some ways I think we have to acknowledge that Michael Jackson's entire life from the time he was a tiny child was about performance of every type and that I think in some ways of course I agree it was an ex- also an expression of you know his artistic genius and that was that was the way that his identity kind of came out in the world but I have to think too there's a little bit that you know he almost never really knew a life when he didn't have to be you know in sequence like in makeup, you know, on stage, performing some kind of identity. Do you think that had any role at all in, I mean, I think it had to have in shaping, you know, that just constant performance of different types through the rest of his life. And maybe the follow-up there is, is that something that was always a positive or um, in some ways, I wonder, is it just like that was the only reality he also knew I don't know if there's like a, maybe a little bit of a positive and a negative there. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. I think show business really was so much of his life that he couldn't just take off that character much at all. Mm. I think he had sort of 
you know, he was Michael Jackson. He be- then became Michael Jackson, the entertainer. And then he couldn't escape that. Yeah, people talk about Michael Jackson in his daily life that when he walked into a room, you would know it. You would feel it without even seeing him walk into the room. And that's, of course, the person that Michael was, but that's also his stage presence coming through. Because I don't think he could, you know, strip off of it because it was just an integral part of him. So, 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 yeah, I definitely think that was just who he was. Well, let's jump back a bit then to Michael's beginnings. So he, of course, was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness, yes. which has a pretty strict anti-homosexuality belief, which we can definitely talk about. So how does that make each of you feel as queer fans and kind of in the whole context of Michael Jackson and who he was and who we, we, he would become through the course of his life. Well, I'll be honest and say that that when I was a a young kid who uh, who thought I was gay, I didn't know at the time, but I was growing up with this these feelings that that I definitely wasn't like uh, the other kids. And knowing that that Michael, who was my big big idol for many many years since i was i think six that that he uh, was a jehovah's witness which is which was pretty common knowledge at the time that's that gave me some some i was so i'm, I'm almost about to say guilt inside because if he my big idol thought that the being gay was wrong what did that you know make me was i gay was i not gay should i be gay even so so that was definitely difficult for me, especially since the Jehovah's Witness has such a strict anti-gay uh, reputation, even going to the lengths of excommunicating people who come out as gay, which doesn't just mean that you can't go to church. It means you cannot see your family. You cannot see your friends. You have been entirely thrown out of their lives forever they cannot see you either if they see you if you come out as gay they can be excommunicated as well uh, so it is an extreme cutoff for, for these people and oh my god just to be gay as a jehovah's witness i would never that must be so hard to go through but that just goes to tell you that that um michael was brought off very strictly that being gay was wrong, it was unnatural, it was not God's way, and for for me as, as a young queer person, that was that was difficult, because I didn't have the internet back then, it was the mid to, to late 90s, just when the internet was coming around, and I didn't have access to all the resources that I have today, where I, I can... Uh, look at who Michael has worked with or look at what he has said about the subject. I just knew that he was a Jehovah's Witness and that they thought it was wrong. And that made me feel bad. I don't think I had really thought about Michael's sort of religion when I was a young fan, first becoming a fan, and really sort of only learnt more about the restrictions that they placed on Michael and his art uh, and his life sort of after a long time of being a fan. So 
I don't think I really had any concept or gave much thought to that growing up. But saying that I was, you know, I grew up a Catholic and it was pretty similar sort of environment with the way of the teachings in that church. And like all of my schooling from grade one right through grade 12 was at some form of private Catholic school, went to church like every Sunday. I was an altar boy for many years uh, in primary school at church. All my close school friends, you know, they they were at the same school. So, you know, we would go to church, me and my, my mate, we were altar boys together. So we, I already had that Catholic guilt about growing up. And uh, I think I have these sort of feelings and I don't know what they are because as a kid, you don't have a concept of that because it's not a, a thing in your reality. But when you grow older and you go into your teenage years, then it sort of starts maybe to slowly form and you have a realization and it's like terrifying, terrifying to have that realization because you, the way you've been brought up is that, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to go to hell. Like mm. that's what you're taught. And thank you for Lil Nas X, you know, for showing that in his video. Because that's what you grow up being told from sort of everything around you. And then you realize when you're hopefully an adult that, oh, hang on a minute. This is all stuff written by guys hundreds of years after these events were meant to have happened. Like, is the translation even accurate? We see now that it's not even accurate for key words. So, no, I was sort of dealing that myself, but I never really had a concept of Michael and his opinions towards me as a person, as a fan, being impacted by his religion. And I think Michael sort of had a bigger message, which is probably far more accurate in a religious-based ideal of love for everyone and equality for everyone and that everyone is worthwhile and every person is special and deserves to be loved and treasured and celebrated. So I think I was probably drawn more to that message from Michael than considering what religion he grew up with. You do have to think about the context of him growing up in that religion, though, in terms of maybe thinking, well, if he if he hadn't kind of been in that in certain environment or in that belief system, maybe as an older person, maybe he would have been, you know, more specific about inclusion and, you know, that that sort of thing. He because he I mean, he would have in so many things he said, I mean, he was about like the world coming together, but it it often was like very vague and stuff. And I wonder, yeah, I wonder if he hadn't had that Jehovah's Witness kind of negative <laughs> upbringing, if he would have mm-hmm. gotten a lot more specific in the way Janet did, or if it was just a bit too early. I mean, who knows? I mean, maybe if Michael had was still alive now, he'd be saying very different things. It's hard to know. I think we also have to take into context the era that he was the biggest entertainer was the the 80s, you know, coming out of the 70s into the 80s and into the 90s. And what celebrities could actually get away with saying Mm -hmm. in support of different things without being cancelled is the common term now. 
and how much power society and the media even back then had over what people could do and say like look how long rock hudson was in the closet for mm-hmm. till he died yeah you know even like liberace and elton john you know their sort of relationships with women and and the media and what people spoke about and could speak about and yeah i think it was we have to take into context the media at the time and what was like there was no people like except for maybe madonna these days you know lady gaga stood up for the the lgbtq community so much in many huge public ways but were there people able to do that back then even just to throw out their support of you know marriage or you know involvement in the military or something like that it was it was the religious right was doing the opposite it was the anita bryants back then that were getting the press and the support of the press not anyone who was a a mega celebrity throwing their support behind the gay and lesbians of the time or the trans people of the time that kind of thing well speaking of the media as we know michael was a victim of ruthless rumors throughout his life about many, many, many things and continuing into his death as well. It just continues forever. Um, But in this case, he was definitely the victim of rumors about being gay and trans. Do you consider him a victim of homophobia and transphobia in that particular context or not? Oh, 100%. 100%. Absolutely. 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 As a straight man, he was still a victim of homophobic attitudes and transphobia, for sure, because he didn't fit the norm. As a as a straight man, he did not fit the norm of what was appropriate and masculine enough in the way he looked, the way he acted, his talent, his dancing, his fashion, anything. And people whenever back whenever people are afraid of something they have to label it and they label it as something that they view as negative and michael we heard from um sean on the last episode that i was on that was the biggest rumor the whole time of sean growing up and michael was like the up coming star out of the jackson five into his solo stardom it was Michael was a homosexual was the biggest and one of the most damaging rumors that could have been lobbed at anyone at the time. Mm -hmm. And the same with like, you know, there was the story of Michael in a record store or something and a girl come up to him crying saying, it's not true. It's not true. You're not a girl. He's like, what are you talking about? Oh, well, the media have said that you're getting a sex change. And he's like, no, it's just a rumor. And that was like, you know, the media and their transphobia absolutely applying that to a heterosexual male so yes without a doubt and that must have been honestly frustrating as hell not even you know just a person being accused of something or someone they're not but just being accused of this in these times i didn't know this but but all already in the late 70s there were rumors about Michael wanting to transition to being a woman, which which is just insane that it was going all 
all the way from back then, that's before the bad era, before the, the sort of more makeup-y looks that we get later on. It, it started back then, which is just absolutely mad. And yeah, he was definitely a victim of, of homophobia, of transphobia. And it, it was all the way from back then, all the way until he died. I remember seeing in Denmark headlines on the front of newspapers about Michael being gay. And, and there just wasn't any basis to these rumors. Even if he was gay, which he never said he was, there was just no basis for any of this. So yeah, it was definitely just, you know, he looks different, he acts different, uh, he must be something different. And and gay or trans was just the the batch that people put on him because they people love to box things and, and that was the box that the the media or the public in at large decided to put him in. And heading into the next topic, like Michael's reactions to those when he did speak out mm-hmm. sort of i think you know we'll be touching on that in the next the next question but i think you know that's when he could be as strong as the environment allowed him to be and at the same time supportive enough that he was allowed to be in the position that he was in for those that were gay and trans in life outside of these phobias that people had yeah but because i mean what did michael say exactly because he was asked about being gay quite a few times you know in in the span of his life and i have a quote may i may i read a quote please we love quotes (laughs) this is from a 79 interview it might be the same where he was asked about being trans but he says that he was not gay and he, he would not quote have a nervous breakdown because people think i like having sex with men end quote and he later goes on to say that's their lives and this is mine so so it is is definitely not a raging you know approval of the gay community as a whole <laughs> uh, but it's certainly not saying you know this is bad uh, it's just saying this is not me and it's saying you all get over yourselves too and stop <laughs> worrying about what yeah, i'm doing basically. yeah that's an yeah. interesting quote Thank you for sharing that. Of course. But also him just saying that I'm not going to have a nervous breakdown over it, which is ironic because in, in the early 90s, which, by the way, is during the height of the AIDS epidemic, in his interview, for instance, with Oprah, he is very, you know, uh, adamant, I am a straight heterosexual male, bada bim, bada boom. He's very adamant about that. And and that might have been a sign of the time where being gay was basically, people thought you would die in a second. You would drop like flies because gay men were dropping like flies at the time. What about in terms of, so we've talked a little bit about his words, what about in terms of how he may have voiced his opinions on the gay community through his work? Well, he definitely worked with a number of queer artists in in his life, certainly from the late 80s, early 90s onward. The, The biggest idea would be, you know, Michael Bush and Dennis Thompson, who um, I don't remember were they a, uh, were they a couple or did they have separate partners? I don't even know. I always grew up believing they were a couple. Yeah, that may or may not be the case, but they certainly are both uh, out gay men. Uh, 
they they have been you know sort of the uh his house of gaga was <laughs> was Bangle Bush and Dennis Thompson they were were some of the people he collaborated on with a lot of his looks and uh, and later on he would go to work with uh, with Saldi for this is it Saldi of course being the fashion designer who also designs for uh, Lady Gaga and for RuPaul I love all these RuPaul connections yeah yeah we're, we're back to RuPaul which is <laughs> uh, um, appropriate but <laughs> definitely there are so many colleagues that he worked with like the list is beyond extensive like even people that we spoke about early in the episode like Kenny Ortega Travis Payne Jamie King yes and then there were other dancers like uh, Lavelle Vincent Patterson there was definitely no exclusion of people because of their sexuality when it came to working with Michael Jackson. Definitely And that not. went from the visual side all the way to the music side. Like, who was, remac- who was remixing some of his biggest songs? Frankie Knuckles. Where was his music getting played? It was getting played at every venue including queer venues and warehouse parties and stuff like that so michael was definitely very open to working with people because of their talent Mm. and not because of who they loved and he wasn't going to let society tell him who or who he could not work with because of who they were as people which is, you know, as big of an improvement, is that a word, <laughs> as anything, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I think that definitely speaks to what his personal beliefs on, on it were, that, you know, as as he said in the interview earlier, that's their lives and this is mine. Uh, he didn't mind working with people at all who, who had a different sexual orientation than his own, which is... Um, honestly, as it should be, I just maybe wish that he would have spoken up about it more. Mm. I think especially more towards the end of the 90s and maybe early 2000s, I think there were opportunities for Michael to sort of speak out in support of the community. But then I think he went and showed support in other ways because what was one of the biggest charities that he supported was AIDS charities. Yes, Elizabeth Taylor's AIDS Foundation. Elizabeth Taylor. AIDS Foundation. Yes. And he was a massive supporter of that. And also, like Princess Diana, he went and showed that you could hug a person, you could hold their hands in and with someone with HIV and AIDS mm-hmm. in a time where everyone thought, oh no, you cannot touch someone with AIDS because you'll just catch it and then you're gonna die. Because he was very close friends with ryan white and he also visited hospitals and i have no doubt that in those hospitals he would have seen i I believe it was in even in was it romania at the orphanage there were babies there with hiv Mm -hmm. and i think michael was maybe not given the credit he deserved in in that he was showing that it was a disease and it was horrific disease but many people died from it but we need to raise money and awareness of it and the reality of it and that you can still give these people love and affection whether they be gay or not which you know ryan white was not he was just a child through a blood transfusion Mm -hmm. and those poor little babies was probably the same way but yes his support 
for AIDS uh, charities and AIDS research went on for decades and decades. And I think his support of people with HIV, even like in later work, like Magic Johnson, who is a, a straight man, but I think Michael needs the credit for helping to try and end the stigma against that disease, which still stands today. Oh, it absolutely does still stand today. I mean, even with uh, with the medicines we have today, I mean, people who have, have HIV, uh, who have been given PEP medicine, as it's called, if they have been well-treated, even if they have unprotected sex with anyone, they cannot give on the HIV. It's not possible if, if they have been... Um, when they are, when someone who has HIV is on treatment for it, mm-hmm. on medicine for it, the the end result of that treatment, which is ongoing at this point, is that the disease becomes undetectable. Yes. When the disease is undetectable, it is not transmissible. Untransmissible. So undetectable equals untransmissible. And there are probably people tuning into this show now that did not know that mm-hmm. because there is still that stigma. Welcome to school, children. <laughs> yes. With teachers, Q and Bjorn. Yes. <laughs> and there's even medicine today where people who do not have HIV can take a medicine called PrEP. And if they are on that medicine, they cannot get HIV either, or at least it's as effective as a condom. Ta-da. I think maybe just a quick, because I know that there were a few responses that I read from people that Michael didn't really address this in his music in the same way that Janet did at all. I think that is very blatantly obvious and blatantly clear. Even Madonna was very blatant about what she was singing about. Mm. And really, the only time that Michael even mentioned the LGBTQI community in his songs was in Tabloid Junkie, when, you know, that that little bit comes in where they say he's homosexual Mm -hmm. or she's blonde and she's bisexual. Mm -hmm. So for some people, when Michael said those words in Tabloid Junkie, it was very affirming and empowering that he mentioned and even acknowledged those aspects of the community. But then other people in the community, hearing those words, took it the other way and was like, oh, he's sort of saying it the way they were taking it in a bit of a negative light. Like, well, they're saying he's homosexual. Is that like a bad thing? Bisexual, is that a bad thing? Right. And again, that is everyone's absolute right to interpret the art, how they interpret it individually. But really, is there any other... There wasn't really for me that I can think of any other explicit mention or acknowledgement of the community in his art. And I think that was quite glaring especially the length of his career and that it was ongoing through the 90s and the the early 2000s yeah it's it's not exactly heaving appraisal is it yeah or heaving praise i should say Mm -hmm. which is like when when you go back to those interviews that he did mention it and said no i'm not gay but i don't have a problem with people that are gay right i think you know those occurrences which you know as far back as they were or as as recent as they were which wasn't didn't seem too recent i think as 
queer fans, we sort of clutch onto those things, those little pearls, because we didn't have anything else. Right. Except the fact that he did love and encourage support and equality every person, no matter their differences, and embrace their differences, and that empowered people just to be their true selves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the fun the fun thing is that he had no problem, you know, going. I I was about to say through the minorities, but he certainly was very pro um, black rights. He was a black activist. He was very Black Lives Matter before that was the thing, especially with things like black or white and they don't care about us. I'm not saying he should have done a you know uh, okay to be gay song <laughs> like that, yeah, but no. he he certainly had the opportunity to be more active in in the way that he spoke throughout the years, especially in the latter part of his life. And and sadly, he chose not to, which uh, we just have to respect. Yeah. And, and then acknowledge the other ways that he did sort of try to support things like AIDS research, mm-hmm. charities, things like that. And I think if uh, a saying goes, money speaks, and uh, if Michael Jackson's money could speak it would definitely say that he was pro-gay and pro-queer. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is probably an impossible question to answer, but if Michael were still with us 10 plus years after his death, because I do feel like the last decade has been a time of very, very big change. While I know we can't put words in his mouth, do you think he would be speaking out more specifically about these issues today? You know, um, I, I think that with his daughter growing up to to be the very open person about her own sexuality, about her own queerness, I could definitely see him speaking up about it, only because it's uh, suddenly become a part of his life as well. Uh, had he not had his own queer child, I, I don't think he would have spoken out about it, to be quite honest. Because Which is not uncommon for many parents, I indeed. think. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Good point. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think I think he definitely would have, just because um, he's such an engaging parent, and and he was so proud of his kids, and and once they, you know, got rid of the masks and got to you know be a part of the community, you know, I, I think he would definitely have wanted to talk about them. I agree. I think that Michael would have been quite a vocal supporter of Paris and who she is. Mm-hmm. And who, whoever she loved. And also society, like you said, Elise, the last like 10 years, so much has happened in, in equality and recognition and education and even like uncovering queer history and like things have just happened so quickly that I think Michael possibly would have been more vocal on it for sure. And then, like, just as, as a recent example, if Michael was still around, if Lil, Lil Nas X did that incredible tribute to Michael on the uh, Montero live performance where he tributed Michael with the Remember the Time, sort of nods, huge nods to Michael. If Michael was alive now and had seen that, I think he would be very proud of Lil Nas X because he was being fearless like Uh, Michael was. You better believe Michael would have had something to say about that. (laughs) He would have loved it. He would have been, you know, 
typing in his Twitter account or whatever, you know, he grew to, to communicate with people currently, if he was still here, he would have acknowledged that and thrown his support behind little Nas X. And you know what? God, in a perfect world, if Michael was still here, he would have been like, yeah, little Nas X, I'll do something on your album. Let me throw down some like beatboxing <laughs> or some ad libs that you can use on your Montero album release. Ugh, could you imagine Michael Jackson on Twitter? I was just the one. That's that's like my little fantasy world. If Michael was still here, he would have been like, "Yes, I support Lil Nas X and this fearless guy breaking boundaries and not being afraid of who he is and not being told what to do by those that have no right to." Yeah, that's a good question, Elise. Yeah, and. I guess just on to kind of come full circle, since we mentioned Paris again, I just want to reiterate that I don't think Paris could have become the self-assured person she is in terms of her identity without that really quality upbringing with the really amazing inclusive values. So whether or not we were explicitly hearing about them, they certainly existed in the way that he raised his family and created a certain belief system. So I think we can take a lot of, you know, reassurance in that. Yeah, absolutely. He definitely raised kids that were open to these things. And I I only learned this from from, um, studying for this episode, that when Paris came out as queer, Prince joined a Gay Stride Alliance club in his school just to be able to get a better understanding of, of what that was, which I think is so cool. Those kids are amazing, man. They impress yeah. me so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, we, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the conversation, especially since we're going to hit three hours of recording time, which, you know, everybody's going to love all this. But, <laughs> <laughs> I know, this our max. But um, this chat has been amazing. I've learned like so much. Your insights have been so, so cool. I've loved this. Do you guys, either of you, have any final thoughts to round out the conversation that you'd like to end with? Sequence, 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 sequence. <laughs> Never have enough. <laughs> I think, you know, we could we could keep talking for more on so many other aspects of this, but we do need to wrap it up. But thank you, Bjorn, for this concept. It's it is honestly not something I really thought much about growing up, even as a gay man and a fan of Michael. So having to think about it and hearing other people's insight on it was really, really enriching and educational for me as well. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. Um, I just appreciate having you know allies in the MJ cast as a whole, which is just fantastic allowing me to come on and present this topic and talk about it for three hours, which is amazing. <laughs> and I just, um, my final words on this day is that, you know, the, the small kid that I was, you know, worried about Michael Jackson being a Jehovah's Witness and what he would think about me. I am no longer afraid of that. I definitely think Michael was pro-queer and I think he would have been proud of, of the way that the world is going today in, in that regards. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah. And to, to questioning and queer kids out there, just be brave, be strong, find your chosen family. They are out there. Find those friends 
those relatives, but especially friends, those people that choose to be around you and support you and you choose to be around them and support them in who everyone is. Find them, let them give you strength. Do not be afraid, be yourself. If there is negativity, just get away from it. However you need to do it, you don't need it. And it is so damaging to have that in your life. So when the time comes, excise yourself from that negativity because it is holding you back as who you truly are and be yourself, be your fabulous and glorious and beautiful self because you will be loved. Michael would have loved you. We love you. Your chosen family will love you and hopefully your actual family as well. But if not, doesn't matter because everyone else will love you. So like the message that Michael taught like was just love everyone and love is love. And that's what all of this is about. Q, you're going to make me cry. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Well said. I loved that. Um, and I would just encourage listeners to continue this conversation. I, I think we could have easily talked for another hour about this. I think there's a ton more to say. There are so many different parts of Michael's life to explore in this regard that are really interesting. So Bjorn, I hope that you will, you know, be on Twitter and like, <laughs> and cue you as well. And if you guys agree, disagree, whatever, I would love to see this conversation continue on social media. Um, for sure. I think it's really, really interesting. And thank you again, Bjorn, for bringing this concept to us for organizing the chat, you really organize the whole flow of the conversation. And I think it was fantastic. And I, I am so appreciative. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, of course. And actually, on that note, Bjorn, can you let listeners know where they can find you online? Absolutely. Uh, I think the main place to find me is either on Facebook, if you want to be friends, or if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do that at Bjorn Hannibal. And that's B-J-O-E-R-N. H-A-N-N-I-B-A-L. Uh, you can also follow my other Twitter, which is, oh gosh, Big Ol' Homo, at Big Ol' Homo. <laughs> 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 which is more of my fan account. And that is B-I-G-O-L-E-H-O-M-O. Very appropriately. Do I even follow both? I didn't know you had like sort of two profiles. I have to check that I'm following well, both. Well, the, the other one is more like my my personal thing. You, you're, you're following the good one. <laughs> you can also see pictures of me and drag on there. Oh, fabulous. They're very impressive, guys. You need to you need to check them out if you haven't seen these. Aw. Yeah. And Q, where can folks find you? Uh, on Twitter, I am what was the Q? What was the Q? just all one big jumbled word and on instagram what was the q2 with the numeral two so same as the twitter handle what was the q but add the numeral two to the end and just i cannot find the number of it but i know there was an episode of karen and elizabeth's podcast the dream mm. lives on mm -hmm. um which did touch they were talking with, a, I believe it was a lady professor or someone, and I cannot find which number episode it is that they were speaking about. And I remember the audio quality was actually not great for this particular episode, and it was a real shame because I was struggling to hear what the guest was talking about. But it really touched a lot on the sort of queer identity 
of Michael's appearance and sort of maybe sort of trans appearance issues and it was it was an incredible discussion so hunt through their archive that's the uh, michael jackson dream lives on podcast over on podcast platforms and somewhere in their library is a terrific episode which did touch on some issues that we sort of touched on a little bit but i remember that was a fantastic discussion over there yeah, and Q, if you do find which one it is, let me know. We will include it in the show notes for sure. But they have a lot of great chats over there. So yes, be sure absolutely to check them out. At least where can people find the MJ cast online? Uh, well, I can tell you the MJ cast can be found <laughs> everywhere online. We are on Instagram. We are on Twitter. We are on Facebook at simply the MJ cast. Also, we're at the mjcast.com. You're welcome to send us an email at the mjcast at iCloud.com. We love to hear from you. We love to engage. Again, I would just adore seeing this conversation getting continued because I know there's tons more to explore here. But thank you guys so much. This has been so, so fun. Love chatting with you both. Love Bjorn, I just adore you anyway, but it was even greater to actually get to have a conversation with you at length. Uh, right? <laughs> wah, wah, wah. I knew you, you uh. two would get along. <laughs> so much fun. And Q, it's always such a good, good thing to have you on the show. And while I am off birthing a child out of my body, I hope we can have you on more <laughs> as well. Because, um, of course, oh, we love all you your insights. Oh, that's why you sent me a microphone. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's that's a wrap, guys. So thank you again. Thank you, listeners. Hope you have a great coming weeks ahead. And we will be talking to you all soon. And in the meantime, I hope you stay bad. Keep Michaeling. And congratulations again, Elise. Michael on. Aw, thank you. Thank you.